Welcome to the Mega Blast Podcast. I'm your host, Jason McDonald. My goal is to get to the truth through conversation. The Mega Blast Podcast is produced by Arts and Opinion, an online journal housed at the Archives of Canada. Visit us at artsandopinion.com. I hope you enjoy today's guest. So, welcome Chris Berry to the Mega Blast podcast. Thanks for coming on my podcast. It's my pleasure, Jason. Okay, so I'm here with Chris, who uh, was a singer, rock band, and has now a successful writer. So the objective of this is just to explore your life and some of those experiences, especially as a musician. So what I wanted to start with quickly before we get into some of the details of your band is... A lead singer, you know, like, you know, when I think about music, my father's a musician, so he, he played. So he grew up poor. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, unstable is another way to put it, right? Um, he was a working musician, you know, jazz, classical. He also taught and everything. And yes, there were times when we didn't know. But he was, you know, he studied music and did all this. And so when I think about musicians, I think about, like, I played music and I studied it and learned how to play it. But when I think about lead singers, it's kind of a different thing. Like, you know, the, someone like like Leonard Cohen or Bob Dylan or someone like that, they couldn't sing opera, but they they can be a great lead singer. So I wanted to ask you, you were a lead singer. Do you consider yourself a musician? Um, yeah, well, lead singers, that's it. You get all the attention. You don't have to have any talent. <laughs> um, well, you know, I mean, I, I am. That's not what I meant to imply. <laughs> no, no. Uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, am I a trained musician? Uh, well, I mean, I, I studied saxophone and I, and I played, you know, I started playing guitar when I was like maybe 11 and I was not particularly gifted. This was a real struggle for me to, you know, it wasn't sort of like, you know, automatically I'd hear us like, oh, well, of course, that's an E to a G to an F. In fact, I ended up writing music because my ear wasn't good enough to figure out what I was doing. So I'd try and do white light, white heat or something, and I would get up something else, and i go, oh. I, I guess I got my own song now. And then writing words, words always came easy to me. Well, comparatively easy to me. Um, uh, so, you know, I, I, um, I, I became, and I'm obviously a much better musician now than I was when I was, you know, 16 or 15 or whenever, you know, but, um, uh, it, it, I, you know, I mean, because, you know, at first I wanted, I want, you know, I was passionate about music from, you know, three years old, you know, I remember there was a cartoon on this, I said this, told this before, but there used to be a cartoon on Saturday mornings called The Beatles, some, a band you might have heard of, and they did like, you know, they, and it was on every Saturday, as every Saturday morning, and, you know, and the Beatles would have their wacky adventures, and they'd play a couple of songs, and, you know, I was, you know, literally a toddler, I can remember watching that thing, and just like, and... Well, so for this starters, is the they 60s, see, right? Yes, yeah, the, the 60s. 90s, yeah, this is yeah. like 66. And you're a little kid. You're yeah. a tiny kid. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah, right. I guess I was wow. about four. I guess it was 66. Okay. Interesting. Maybe 67. Okay. I guess 66. And um, 
you know, and this music was just the most beautiful thing. It's like I just wanted to crawl into it. I wanted to be <laughs> one with it. I didn't know how. I was just sort of like, you know, this was it was so you it knew, was beauty. You knew this was something you wanted to be a part well, of. Well, right? I mean it, I I mean the music was something that I couldn't reach that I wanted to crawl into and be a part of. Um they seemed like they had a lot of fun in our cartoon. They were always having adventures. Then I saw the movie Help and said, Wow, man, what an exciting life. Look at all the pussy they're getting, too. <laughs> so, you know, I figured that would be pretty good. I mean, I at four or five years old, it's like, Yeah, I like screaming chicks and running around with my brothers, my friends, because I had two older sisters. So these four guys all together seemed like a really good thing to me. Um, okay. So, I mean, early on, it was like, Well, there's my path, rock and roll superstar. Like from so you knew from when you were a little kid. This was my I, I want to be a lead singer for a rock and roll. Well, band I just want I just want to be I I want all that attention, right? right. And, I, and you know, and I also I want to be I want to be this music. You know, I don't yeah. really, I want to be it. I want to be one with it. I want to be part of it. And it's like so the only way to do that is to kind of write your own, you right, right? So I mean, I you know I was always making up songs, you know, little like stupid you know child things that that made me laugh and other people. Um, but you know, I figured, well, no one's gonna take me serious. I want to sing. I got to learn how to play. You know, I got to learn music, how to play. actual. Yeah, I mean, okay. you know, which so you was mentioned true. Saxophone and guitar. So you tried to learn yes. those instruments, right? Yeah, I, 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 you know, I guess when I was about eleven or I guess eleven or twelve. I, I had a guitar. I got a guitar, much to my parents' chagrin, because, ah, it's too noisy. It's an acoustic guitar. Ah, you're yelling and screaming in there. You got a horrible fucking noise. You suck. You got no talent. Uh, and I said, well, give me an electric guitar. I can turn it down. Ah, electric guitar. And they're thinking it's going to be the fucking Stooges. Like, you right, know, right. Uh, so, anyway, so... Uh, so yeah, so you know, so I picked it up and I, you know, I took lessons for a while and and for you know, about six months, I was the best guitar player in school. Uh, and you know, I mean, it was okay. I mean, I'm I'm still okay. You know, I'm still I can still fake it. Like you know, I, I mean, you know, I played guitar on many records before. You know, uh, but um, that's like Mick Jagger. Mick Jagger, you know, when you see the Stones play every sort of fourth song. Mick goes and gets a guitar and sort of plays third. He just yeah. kind of strums, you know, he does a few chords. And he can do it, and he can write songs with it, too, which I think well, you yeah, probably did as well, right? You kind of strum, and the words come out. With well, you know, I, I, you know I've, I was writing on my high school band. You know, I, I wrote a bunch of songs. And, like, you know, this is, like, 75, I guess, 74, 75. And, uh, you know, and my musical taste happened change haven't evolved that much really you know i mean i'm gonna come back to that later i want to come back to your influences but But i like you know in in grade eight grade seven i went to see the new york dolls when i was 12 um you know the 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 iggy lurie david bowie love loop david bowie the kinks the rolling stones like you know early rolling stones um you know, uh, I mean, so that's what Roxy you were, so, so you were listening to as a little kid. Obviously, the sixties. You mentioned the Beatles, and then of course the Stones. That's sixties, and then you get into the seventies. You're you're one of the few people I know who knew about the New York Dolls when they were a thing. Like yes. most people, like I got into the New York Dolls, you know, in the nineties. When after I've been into punk in the eighties and everything, and then and then later I discovered them. They were kind of you know. Yeah. So I just wanted you to talk about some of those. 
punk it because you were a punk band singer. So the dolls, uh, you know, you said you saw the dolls. Maybe you yeah. Well, that. you know, the uh, Christian story. Uh, it's a great story. I, I, you know, I was a big Bowie fan. I guess I'd been a Bowie fan for about a year. So that's like nineteen Ziggy Stardust. It was still just before Diamond Dolls came out, and I saw that gig too. Um, so and it's early seventies. We're talking about early, yeah, 71, 19, 1973, 74. Yeah, right, the grade when I was in grade. I was a baby. Yeah, yeah. when I say I, <laughs> I was, was a, literally a baby. I was yeah. an old man in grade seven. <laughs> and uh, no, nobody else had even heard of Dick Bowie. Really? really, there was like really? one other kid in my school that had heard of Bowie outside of me. Like you know, so interesting. Oh, Lenny Epstein, and I've met Lenny. I've been with Lenny Epstein since. And uh, he was the I, other kid in the school who knew about Bowie. Yeah, he was a guy yeah, Lenny Epstein. yeah. Lenny is a. Uh, uh, he spent most of his life in jail now, and oh, he's right. a hardcore junkie. And uh, wow. we've got, we've met over drugs before, right? But okay. in recent years, but anyways, that's another that's another whole other story. But Lenny Epstein, you could write a book about him. You really could. Maybe I could get him on the Mega Blast podcast. Uh, you probably he's, could. He's, he's not doing a, a bit in Kingston. He sort of dropped out a bit over the past year or so. so Might be I an interesting know. guest. But, okay, so so, the, so David Bowie, so, you said you saw so him? In, like, yeah, in 74, the Diamond Dogs tour. Okay. But, so I'd been a big fan of Bowie, and one of the things I liked about David Bowie is that people were so offended by him. People forget that. He's a faggot, you know? Right, this right. man in makeup, makeup dressed like yeah. a fucking girl. It's like, you know, with eyeshadows. They're fucking faggots. Right. And this other one, Lou Reed, another fucking queer? Right. Baby, want to give you a, you know, go back even when she was giving hand. It's like, what the fuck is wrong with you? And of course, when I was a kid, the worst thing you could fucking be was a homo. Right. So right. I yes. I thought, well, that's great. I'll tell everyone I'm a homo. <laughs> you serious? Yeah, it'll, it'll offend everybody. <laughs> and it did. It did. But, you know, I was like immature. I was a child. I was thinking it's like, you know, in my, you know, so 12 you're 14, year old, 12 years 12, old. 12. And, right. Grace yeah. Evans. So oh, in my, in my, in my, you know, twelve-year-old brain, it's like you know, it's like uh, subversive. It's yeah, subversive. So it. Right. It was yeah, like, you know, right. it was like a pedophile or right. something it would upset people, <laughs> right? You know, it's, it's uh, just and, how much we've evolved. I mean, because you're right. Like this is even when I was growing up in the '80s, there was still a lot of sort of like you could insult a guy, faggot. You know, he calls him. It was like, whoa, you know, was that really? And now, I mean, call somebody gay. It's like, sure, sure. I mean, my thing was, cares, you know, you my know. my twelve-year-old thing was rooted in. In ignorance. I had nothing against homosexuals. All my fucking rock and roll heroes were homosexuals. You know? So, you know, you know, yeah. Well, in 1973, so far as anyone's concerned, you know, David Bowie, oh yeah, that fang, right? Space Oddity, you know, yeah, that fang. It's sick. He was a leader in that sort of trans what do you call it, sort of pushing the boundaries of sexual sure. you know, yeah, yeah, pres yeah. presentation. Um, yeah. Also, he, I, it was great. Him and Lou Reed, the two of them, it's like, you know, they were like, and, and the dolls there. were the ultimate. I mean, they dressed up in drag. That well, was their thing, this is right? exactly what I was getting <laughs> yeah, to. Right. So it's like yeah. when, when the first record album came out, there was pretty big hype on it. Uh, at least, you know, for those of us who read like Cream Magazine, right, which, you right. know, which covered yeah. this sort of stuff, a rock scene and stuff like that. Um, the cover, you know, where they're in drag in front. Well, for me, I just, this is the greatest thing ever. I didn't even have to listen to the record and know that I loved it. Or sort of like, this is even better than Dave O'Bowie. Even, you know, like the same even thing. Even more subversive, right? Yeah, that's even it. more in your face, screw you. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, of course, that was the thing, you know, that, that ruined their career, really. But 
one of the many things I suppose. But is, is, what, what, can you describe what you mean by that? Because I don't know. I've never well, heard the, that you know that. Well, I mean, when the dolls came out, there was a big hype on them, right? I mean, it's not like you know they weren't like a little underground band, even though they were. But right. you know, really? they were in all the magazines. They were on rock concert. They were on you know national TV and stuff like that. And they had like you know a fair amount of publicity and press and stuff. Uh, and uh, they they were you know they they were rejected and the main thing is you would look at the, that album cover so right? just all the drag it was just that, too much that's what it was just a little too far over people just the, thought that's what they were that they were these transvestites right like right. me right. but I thought that was wonderful <laughs> right you know but so, so so that so that was just so I understand what you mean they were heavily promoted they were pushed they were gonna they were sort of gonna go places yeah and then they came out they had that album and then and some people were like hey that's cool like you and but a lot of people were like no I don't want anything to do with those faggots yeah very few people right? thought they were great so okay but they yeah, apologies for interrupt I just no, want to okay. clarify what you meant by that it's really it's really interesting they, but, yeah they were you know they, uh, I thought it was Johnny Thunder being a junkie that ended was, up blowing was, up the band, but maybe that. No, well, I got to know Johnny Thunder, though, yeah. but that's another story. Okay. They, uh, so they, uh, uh, no, they just were, um, you know, they, 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 they was, I don't know if anyone really expect them to start getting on Top 40 radio, although they tried. I mean, that was the, that was how you did it back then. You got a hit, you know. Um, but, you know, they were like, you know, like that year, 1973 or 74. I guess the album came out in the in fall of 73, uh, the first record. Um, it was like, you know, and they are like, Reader's Poll, Best Band of the Year, New York Dolls, Worst Band of the Year, New York Dolls, right, you know. So yeah. kind of like the Ramones a few years right. later, you know. It was sort of like there's a few people that thought, well, this is fucking brilliant. This right. is like, it's minimal, but it's brilliant, you know. Right. Um, and most people were just like, well, it's fucking talentless fucking losers you know uh so uh of course i got to know them pretty well too actually over the years yeah i want to i want to return to you knowing them because that's really cool and also to the the music but just um you said you saw the dolls i wondered if oh you, yeah, yeah, yeah. You so describe that so um <laughs> i had i was 12 or just turned 13 it was the beginning of grade eight i think the, yeah i guess it was the beginning of grade eight maybe been Grade seven, but I was prepubescent, and they were playing. Uh, they were playing at the Show Mart, which later became the Palladium, which is now the uh, the the BANQ, the the National. Uh, what do you call it? The National Library, yeah. Bibliothèque Nationale, which is Barry Street, Maisonneuve, yeah, here in Montreal. Barry, yeah, uh, the main metro station. That's sort of the you know where all the lines meet together. Just for anyone yeah. know, orienting themselves. Yeah. So for me, growing up in NDG, it was a ride on the 105 bus and then the metro to Barry, and you go to the metro, and there you go. Of course, you know, I had been to a few shows at the Forum and stuff by that point, like David Bowie, as I'd mentioned, and, you know, maybe, I, oh yeah, Alice Cooper band in 70, 73, uh, that Christmas tour they did. Um, nice. So, wow. you know, in the New York Dolls, I mean, I didn't, I didn't. I was just a little kid. They were, uh, you know, and they were on. They were on TV, and they were in the magazines and stuff. Well, this is a big band. Oh, they're not playing at the Forum. Okay, that's better place. Well, oh, 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 it's Barry. That's kind of 
That's kind Far of deep East. into enemy territory, you know? Yeah. Does anyone speak white there? <laughs> you know, is there well, a, you know. Well, well, there's two things going on. One is that you're from Montreal West, right? The West End, English-speaking, right? And NDG. then the East End is mostly French, as it still is. But the other thing is that that was a really scuzzy... It's still a pretty scuzzy neighborhood now, but back then, it must have been. I mean, you I remember St. Lawrence and, and, uh, and, and St. Catherine. Was yeah. Dumpy as hell, right into the 80s. Yeah, you know, I love so. it. Yeah, no, it was cool. It was great. Um, you know what? <laughs> it just, was, that you know, was just me being a sheltered kid. Who, right. You know, I, I mean, I grew up in an English ghetto where everybody was English. Uh, and, you know, when we didn't really go there. We went downtown, maybe we went as far east as the Bay. You know, right. I'm only Don't, 12 years old east here. of Oregon's was, was an, that's an expression. That, well, yeah. That's, there you go. Never that's go east of Oregon's. You know, and I'm only 12 years old. Yeah, so I've only, right. you know, gone downtown on my own a couple of times to see hockey games, to see these gigs. So this is this is deep in, you know, this is territory. I don't know. But anyway, so I'm going. And, well, as, as I'd done at the David Bowie gig, I was well, if you want to see New York Dolls, I got to dress for the occasion. And as it happened... That day, on my way to school, I was on the I was on the bus. So it must be grade seven. Um, I was on the bus, and I saw in the garbage on Westminster Street uh, in Montreal, West, uh, a pair of plat red platform boots, high, high like knee high or close to knee high, and a matching red purse. And tonight's the New York Dolls. I think, well. This is destiny. I mean, you know, this is this the the, the the gods are calling me. Get off the bus. You'll be late for school. But grab this. So I did, and sure enough, they fit. So off I went. So that night, you know, uh, I guess I I left, probably left at eight o'clock at night. Even the dolls didn't come on till like I don't know. The metro was about to close when they came on. Um, and uh, so I got on the one hundred five, and I went with, with my friend. Uh, it was Jim. It was a gym. Uh, anyways, well, a friend of mine, one friend. Uh, so you know, the two of us together, you know, be okay. So when we got to the moment, and so I, so I'm wearing um sort of like a halter top that says Bowie on it. These these red boots, <laughs> they're matching red purse, wow. and probably like a, a jean jacket that you know said Lou Reed or had Lou Reed's face right. from Transformer or something. Like that. So some that was based the basic attire, and. I think I might have had an iron cross that I wore around wow. my neck, wow. but I, I may not have gotten that until I was a little, I don't know, but you get the basic idea. Totally. So totally. off we go, you know, and I haven't even reached puberty yet. I'm not a big kid. I, I like, look could be fucking nine years old and I'm dressed, you know, and like, you know, I don't know if I had makeup on. Right. But well, I might have, anyway, so we, went, so we went to the gig. When we got there, right. my the, like it was not a forum. It was like kind of this sort of, it felt kind of shady. And they're like sort of biker types or what seemed to 12-year-old me like they were bikers at the at the front door, you know, taking things. And, you know, and I think it was a, a – I don't know if people were able to drink there. Anyways, nobody gave a fuck that this little kid was there. So, but my friend, he didn't like that. He said, oh, this is like, he Weird got vibe. scared. He got, right. yeah, I guess that he got a bad vibe. So he said, I'm on leave. Right. And I said, bah, 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 bah. and it's like, well, I'm here. I'm out on a school night. I'm allowed to be out, you know, and I'm at, you know, and I'm here. The dolls are going to fucking play. I love the dolls because I had the record. And I right. love the record too. It's a great um, record. Yeah, that's, I still record. listen to it. It has aged so well. I found that's just I just wanted to interject how how great they are. But so so how so, long did so, you stay? So, did you did you? Well, stay? what happened is is Jim Jim took off. 
uh, I went back and I said, well, fuck it, I'm going to stay. But I was scared because I, I was, you know, there were other people dressed like me. <laughs> a lot bigger older, than you. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And I was just like, little basically this little kid who stayed, stood in the corner, like just taking it all in. Like, ah. And it got later and later and later. And then, you know, finally it all came on and I, you know, I saw maybe five or six of the songs. I had to go or else I was going to miss the Metro and I would not be able to take a taxi. You know yeah. what I mean? You know, it's like it was. Yeah, How do you take I mean, a cab when you're 12 years old? I, yeah. Well, I didn't have any money. Yeah, I probably had a dollar on my yeah. <laughs> So, uh, so I ended up. So I ended what? up taking that. I took the 105 bus home, and it was like you know, it was you know probably like you know close to one in the morning, and I'm this child in you know drag basically. And were your parents uh, up? I was scared. It was quite scary. Were your parents up when you came in? Did you remember? Um, scene there. Or? I don't know. They must not have been, because I'm sure I would have heard about it. But yeah. I don't remember getting in trouble, but I, I had do, to have gotten in trouble. Do you have any memories of the music of that? Like, do you remember how they appeared on stage? Sure, sure. Uh, sure, I think they opened yeah. up with Looking for a Kiss, and uh, oh, Johnny Thunders, I believe, was wearing, like, a plastic see-through raincoat. Uh uh, I think one of them had a swastika, Arthur, maybe. Wow. I mean, I, I do, but, I mean, I at so many years later, I could be mixing this up with photos yeah. or videos I've seen. But, do yeah, you, yeah, sure, I remember it, yeah. yeah. Do, do you think... And they were, weren't, weren't that together. That right. was the sentence that I sent. What like, do you mean, not that together? Just the they sound? Just, like I, just... I, wasn't, I wasn't astute enough to know if they were together musically or not. It just seemed a little low rent. Right. And there were only about 100 people there. Maybe wow. fewer than that. Maybe 75. There was nobody there. Uh, Amazing. And it was a pretty big pop. Huh? So it was just a sort of cavernous place with them. And, you know, I mean, they were just about to split up. They were finished, you know. It was the first time they came here. Uh, but they were kind of finished by that point. And you just sort of, even as a child, sensed it. Right. So, so you could you could see, you just sensed there was something. Not that they were disintegrated musically, but just that they it were just, not feeling. Yeah. 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 Like, I mean, you, you just yeah. said that this is like, this is, this is not working the yeah. way it's supposed to. Do you think that the New York Dolls are the first punk band? Cause I, like, I sort of have that theory that they kind of really were the first You punk. know, I guess it I depends know. on what you want to call punk, you know? I mean, the shadows were punk. You know, um, MC5. Well, yeah, and that's I different eras, like that, all that Detroit stuff, and then all the 60s of the seeds, uh, you know, Shadows yeah. at Night. So, what is punk? Exactly. Yeah. Elvis, Gene Vincent, you know. Link Ray, Rumble, Link Ray, right? Sure. Or, uh, also, yeah, so sure. punk, punk rock, its DNA is just subversive rock and roll, right? I mean, that if you had to. I, you know, I right? don't know that. I mean, it's just like a convenient label, I guess, you know. Yeah. I mean, there is a lineage, you know. I mean, well, but, but most people think that... of punk rock as coming from England because they associate it with the Sex Pistols. Yes. And, and I'm sure you know the story of how Malcolm you, sure. you met. I mean, sure. maybe you could talk sure. a little bit about you knew Malcolm McLaren. Yes. Well, I didn't know Malcolm, but I did uh, have um, a long conversation with him at one point. Really? Malcolm just fucking yacked my ear off for like two fucking hours. I was like, oh. I mean, after at first it was like, oh, Malcolm McLaren, interesting guy. Uh, and after 91, 92 minutes, it's like, <laughs> so he, so but he really was, as he was loquacious. loquacious. He was loquacious and full of shit. Right. But he was, you know, he, I mean, I like Well, him. he was Malcolm I, McLaren. He's kind of a genius he, uh, in he, some sense. He would have tell. He, he certainly yeah. knew that. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. But did I know Malcolm? 
Uh, no, no. He was coming to Montreal, and he called me to get together. So nice. he had my phone number, nice. but then he didn't come. We okay. didn't get together, and then he died. All right, okay. Um, I want to come back to some of your anecdotes a little bit later, but first I want to talk about your first band. Was it the 222s? That was your first well, one? Well, that was my first sort of, if you want to call it, professional band. Like and I, you replaced the main singer, right? Yeah, that... yes. I mean, you know, I had you know, I had bands in high school okay. where I played guitar and I sang and I wrote songs, you know. So you had uh, some experience by the time you joined the 222. Well, in some sense. Right? I mean, in the sense that, like, you know, I knew what it was to be in a room with a bunch of guys and make a bunch of noise. <laughs> um, and, you know, but as far as, like, gigs, like, you know, whatever, I mean, you know, the high school talent show, you know, uh, right. some girls basically. Well, that's something. With, uh, you know, that's not a, nothing. A mic right? hanging from a wire, from a pole, from a, <laughs> you know, from a pipe or something in front of you. It's speeding back and, you know, and four, yeah. four bass guitar and another guitar and the boys all going through one amp. You know, so it's yeah. that experience. Yes. Sounds pretty punk rock to me. I, yeah. it was, I think it was yeah. just every garage band uh, ever, you know, starts that way. Through a fainer, uh, trainer basement. I, I read I read that you, the 222s had the first recorded punk single in the province of Quebec. Yeah, so when, when, you know, so the 222s, yes, I was really quite lucky to hook up with those guys in, in many respects. Um, because, um, you know, they were, um, well, for starters, they'd been around for about a year before I met them. Um, and... And I was still in high school when I did meet them, too. Um, but uh, their singer, uh, Jean Flisson, um, or Brisson, but Jean Flisson, I guess, Johnny Shivers. And Good name, yeah. um, he, uh, he had started the band with Pierre. I, I don't know. I mean, their early history. Were they know. all French but, Canadians, the others? Uh, yes. You were the only one. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. And, uh, and, and uh, Flisson... Um, fucked off to New York City to be a huge punk rock star there. Uh, but he didn't, and he would end up being a go-go boy in the meatpacking district and prostitute. So that's wow. what he did in New York. So he was, you know, I mean, you know, he I didn't know him that well. He seemed like a nice guy to me. He was an interesting guy. I thought he was pretty cool. I thought he looked cool, too. Uh, but he wasn't a beautiful man, either. But he but he looked cool in style. And... and, and uh, Anyways, I mean, he must have looked good enough to uh, to, to turn tricks, right? So yeah, I don't know how good you have to look to turn <laughs> tricks. <laughs> yeah. uh, but, but I guess well, he was yeah. he was young. Yeah, he, he was a couple years young old. enough. So if okay, I was so, 16, so, he was so you joined. I, I, you know, I, I confess, I was. I, so they spent a long time looking for a singer. Okay, and they had yeah. a hard time finding a singer uh, uh, because you either had people that uh, had like. The punk rock, oh, yeah, and they would like shout to them. You know, they had no real musicality to them. Right. Um, those guys were, are, were um, difficult guys. So they weren't just going to go for anyone. And uh, and I guess they'd been looking for a while. And then I was introduced to them, and I went and you know went to the rehearsal. And I you know I probably. Jumped up and down and flying my arms. So, so they get a kind of an sand. audition. They, they wanted to yeah. see what you could do, yeah. right? So you, you yeah. did some some yeah. lead, you know, yeah. kind of dancing, exactly. jumping, singing. Yeah, it's like in the rehearsal room, I was running around. But you know, once I, you know, but the thing is, it's like as always, it's like once I felt the music, like you know, they're playing the music. It's like. Well, you know, it, it, it's it's physical, right? So yeah. you you know, so you you want to move to the music, you want to do it, even though yeah. 
you know, you're just in a rehearsal room and like anybody looking through the window, what the fuck is that guy? <laughs> you know, but I mean, it, you know, it was, uh, it wasn't put on. It was, it was, a, it was an honest expression of That's the good. music. That and, and it must have done worked. I mean, they, they hired you, right? They, they hired me. Yeah. yeah. Well, they, yeah, they hired is the wrong word. Yeah. There's no money involved. <laughs> yeah, um, and they were recording that single at that time. This is the fall of 78. Is that Donna or? Uh, I love Susan. I love Susan. Uh, Studio yeah. Bomb. They yeah. recorded that single there. And um, I, and I didn't sing on it uh, because um, I think they weren't so sure whether I'd be pardoned then. I also think that the Louis, who had written and co-written the two songs on the single, I think he liked the idea of singing on it too. Right. More so than well, this yeah. guy—he's only been in the band for a week. We're really gonna have him right. sing on it. Right? Yeah. So, so I mean, so I didn't sing on it. But I did all I, I I did promo for it. That's for sure. I was they'd send me out into like transvestite bars, and I would <laughs> go I, and I would like lip sync the single, like you know, wow. on the stage, like. In between, well, you know, they'd have a transvestite, then they'd have me, you know, then another transvestite. I did the whole circuit doing that. Lip syncing. Lip syncing. Lip syncing. Yes. Not, I, not like, actually singing. PJs and Le Jardin. It sounds like Soul Rodeo. Train. Soul Train was all lip synced. Yeah. 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 You know. It was that kind of thing, yeah. but it was. Okay. But was, just, it, but live. Like done, like yeah. said, transvestite bars, not yes. televised. Right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. yeah. No, it was, uh, I, I wasn't. Uh, you know, it was nothing that I was proud of really at that time. But you know, but I was a few bucks, yeah. and uh, you know, it was, uh, what else did I have to do? As my dad would say, it's a gig. That's it. That's what my dad would say. It was a working yeah, session, that's right? It. You know, that's it's it. a gig, right? You know, you show up on time. That you're a professional. Mm. You, you, they tell you, you know, you're dressed, you're ready to go, you do your job. I, I think I took you half know? the money. Uh, you know, and, was, and that stuff did pay okay, you know. Uh, you know, it was easy to do. You just go on stage. I think twice a night I had to go do my thing. Chris, do do do, mesdames et messieurs, maintenant, le Chris, le do do do, chanson, chanson, I love Susan. Um, and, uh, and this is in the village? Uh, no, this is in the village. Uh, I, I did uh, a couple of weeks at two different stints at PJ's, which is a legendary bar on, on, uh, on Peel, that was run by uh, well, the the host, the what do you call it? the MC, I guess you'd call him. Armand Monroe was a fantastic character, really like sort of a flamboyant queen, you know. And those guys would turn around, they oh. jump on the stage right there, and like get a few of them, they try and pull my pants down and stuff like that. Oh, those fellas! It, it just but, occurred to me: this is this before the gay village moved into the East End? Yeah, right. It's occurring to me that all the gay yeah. bars were downtown. Yeah, that's right. That. Yes, right. Okay. Yeah. So no what? the village of the 60s yes. 70s it's yes right okay the gay yeah. village right but i mean a lot yeah. of like you know it was, it was gay and straight like you know we're we're the bars that i used to hang out at that time uh were in that area and you know i mean right. uh, there were gays and it wasn't it wasn't supposed to be gay it's right. Supposed to be straight, right just people mixed and whatever but but just for anybody listening what what i what i've heard happened was that drapeau wanted when the Olympics came, he wanted there were all these there were a lot of bars downtown that had a lot of homosexuals at night. He he thought that would look really bad, so he had this night patrol gang go down there and intimidate all these gay guys, and they moved over into what's now the east of Berry Street. Right? That's, that's, that's possible. I don't know if you have because I've heard this. Oh, this no, is confirmed no. by some gay friends that that yeah yeah happen. that's no you know so. no sure there was a big bust at the Trucks Cruising Bar. 
um, on Stanley Street. And uh, the cops were fucking horrible. It was like a Stonewall type thing. They were like taking, uh, you know, uh, transvestite out and parading them, and you know, and, wow. and, and yeah. it was it was really really wrong. brutal police brutality. And uh, yeah, I wrote so, a story about it. Oh yeah, okay, I oh, cool. Think I okay. was in grade ten when that happened. I wrote a story about it for English class, and I got a two out of twenty <laughs> because uh, <laughs> they were offended by the subject matter. Wow. Yeah, I was I was like you know I wasn't being PC or anything. I was just like this. Is Fucked up just right, because yeah. these guys are sucking cocks. They got a fucking you Human know rights. Yeah, rights exactly. Issue, right? It's like, what the fuck does the state have to do with it? But uh, good I guess question. My, by the way, my teacher, who I think was homosexual, felt differently. Either way, I got you a think the teacher was homosexual. I, I have my suspicion. Uh, you mean in closet, obviously? Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, so and that maybe that's, they, doesn't yeah, really matter right. one way or no, the other. No, it doesn't matter. But it just it might have affected if he was a repressed homosexual. You, you can imagine. Right? I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, what, his 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 sexuality just, aside, it was like I, I felt really. Uh, uh, cheated because it was a it was an excellent essay. I, well, I, I just found it recently. I did you? It. Yeah, I, I just that's what I wanted to ask before we get back to two twenty twos. I mean, have you thought about publishing that? Maybe on, <laughs> on, on <laughs> I don't think not. Not publishing that. Not excellent for I should rephrase the question: taking it and creating something you could oh, write now because you're a professional writer now. Yeah, right? no, because I, it's it's certainly of significance that event. It, it is. Right? It, it was. A very important event yeah, in, in the Montreal so, gay scene. After curious. that, after that, it was kind of like Montreal. I think they even called it Montreal Stonewall. Right, it's like right. you know, and and uh, you know, I I know that uh, you know, I think a lot of people were like, well, "This is pretty fucked up," you know. So what, you know? And well, because you know, men were having sex together in the back room or whatever. Right. So what? Mm-hmm. You know, anyway. Well, it, it seemed to have. I mean, that event and some others that had happened seemed to have the effect of. Scaring and creating the current gay village, as I understand. I, I, I've heard, right, this. Yeah. right. So, I, but, it, and it happened around that time. The Olympics were seventy six. Yeah, I don't know who's around yeah, then. it was. It was right. all around the same time. The right. exact years, I, I, I can't remember. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I sort of remember the Montreal's gay village sort of becoming a thing. I don't know, 80s. late 80s yeah, or, early, yeah. or even yeah. the 90s. Mid-80s, it was there. and then it be, I think it became popular among the straights, quote-unquote, in the 90s yeah. Yeah. kind of thing. You know, yeah. That was a thing. But okay, so for the 222s, I, I, as I said, I, I didn't know um, their, your music, uh, but I listened to a fair bit of it on YouTube, and I, I liked a lot of it. And I um, I heard – this. I'll just tell you what I heard. Uh, I heard the Ramones – in there is that accurate were you influenced by the ramones do you think yeah yeah were they influenced by the ramones i don't know um sure sure the ramones are in there and the ramones uh i mean all a lot of the british groups too like sex Sex pistols generation x the clash uh buzzcocks um blondie uh you know uh, i mean elvis costello or maybe not them so much for for me. I loved Elvis Costello. Right. I don't know if the other guys did. And you know, um, and another thing with them is that they were all older than me. Uh, not like not. Well, Louis was twenty five. The bass player at the time, Bello, was twenty four. Pierre was nineteen, and I was seventeen. Wow, I was sixteen. But the time we did gigs, I was seventeen. Um, and um, so you know, Louis, uh, you know, Louis was m- much older. He's like ten, nearly yeah. ten years yeah. my senior. You know, so he um, seventeen to twenty five is a big gap. Yeah, right. I mean, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, right. 
Because eight I, years when you're that age is like a lot, right? And I learned yeah. a lot about the world, and the, the, I be a lot of. I became the man I am, courtesy of these fucking guys who were like <laughs> twisted, and you know they were yeah. not not the best role models to say the least. But whatever, I, you know, they took you had a me good time in with them. I looked yeah. up to them. They were big brothers. They were like big, you right. know, they were men. They were adults. I was just a little kid, you know. I mean, you know, I, I and wasn't must, even legal. They yet. must have seen something in you. Well, you know, to take you on like that, right? Because especially well, someone so much younger. Well, it's, it's pretty good, you know. Right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, no. Good. I wanted to say, I, the vi- I saw some videos of you performing, and it was an interesting thing. Listening to the music that was recorded, I guess, in the studios, and then seeing you perform. It was the same band, interestingly, in about 2010. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah I, I, I don't know if this is accurate, or maybe it was better recorded. It just seemed like the band was tighter in 2010. And, just, and I think that is that correct. I mean, they, I'm assuming I they played music all those years in between. Yeah, they got better. Oh, well, some did. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I don't know. No, the band we were pretty fucking tight back yeah. then. We 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 um, you know, we sort of uh, could be badly recorded too. Like it's hard to tell with, you know. Well, yeah, yeah, you know yeah, what I mean. Yeah, like yeah, they could have well, been yeah, badly yeah. recorded in the studio to begin with. So it's hard for me. Yeah, to tell, the right? surviving two two twos recordings are pretty. Uh, you know. Uh, well, <laughs> Four yeah, track machines. Yeah, right. Yeah, you right. know the the stuff that's on the on the albums. You know that stuff that's a second generation mastered from a second or right. third generation. So it could just be that. It could just be not well mixed. Yeah, and, we you know, we right. we don't because you know that was the thing. Two twenty two says that, and where I was lucky because those guys they could really play and they could write too. Yeah. So yeah. you know it was a very uh, I was very fortunate because you know I would have done a band one way or the other, but I wouldn't have been done a band anywhere near as good as as those guys so for them to take me on was it was a big uh, you know I, I was thrilled it was a great thing it was a, you know i was really excited and um it was like you know we'd arrived and those guys you know we rehearsed like non-stop we always rehearsing and you know when I, by 1979 or 1980 you know uh we had a we did we played like Four or five nights a week, four wow. sets a night at the station ten. We just oh, wow. all station we fucking 10. did. Yeah, we, I found a cat in, yeah. in near Atwater. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I remember that place. I, I, yeah. uh, I'm, I'm the one responsible for turning that into a venue. Actually, really? Yeah, I knew wow. a guy in a band called Bacteria who would, who would, I lived in the neighborhood, I guess, and he did. He said that he managed to like do one sort of half a gig there. And, uh, I mean, he was, you know, uh, uh, a, a raging alcoholic and the band, I, I don't know, they weren't as, uh, any remotely serious band. So, you know, after the riot in 79 and McGill, which the 222s were right at the, the center of it, uh, the Montreal's punk rock riot, at least the first one. Can you can you elaborate a bit on that? I've never heard of this event. Oh, uh, it was uh, it was it was it was uh, the beginning of January 1979, like January 12th or something like that, early on, and uh, it was billed as Montreal's first punk rock festival, and it took place at the Student Union Building at McGill, and there were uh, like four bands on it. There were the 222s chromosomes uh the unknowns which might have been the normals uh and i think the electric vomit played on the bill too at the last minute uh but we were the big headliners we had the record out we were the big headliners for whatever reason no more headliner anyone else you know but whatever this you got is, the top bill maybe because we had a manager we had two right, of them right. actually <laughs> so, oh, yeah. so, you know which is not even necessarily the best slot eh, to play last it's not always the best slot but 
Anyways, one years old, but whatever. So everyone's too drunk by then. Um, yeah, kind of. <laughs> something like of, that. Is you've that, heard a lot of music. They're you kind know. of tired anyway. Yeah. Could be. What's two, the best could slot? Be third. Third slot. It, it, I think everyone's kind of warmed it, up. It, and, it, it depends on the menu yeah, okay. and how many bands are on the bill. So, but anyway, you were la- you so were, we were the, la- you were the main really, act, really right? Okay. And so they, you know, it was very well attended. There was like easily a thousand people there. Wow. So that's that's packed. And there were and beer was fifty cents uh, a, a beer at the time, which even in nineteen seventy seven or seventy. Yeah. 79, yeah, 8, 79. That was cheap. So, you know, most of the people that had come to that gig were like frat boys. There were oh, people, man. like anyone that was into what was being called punk rock or, you know, anything that wasn't, you know, what was being played in the discotheques or on Shome, uh would would attend that because it's like, well, okay, it's, it's somewhere I can go or uh, other like-minded people. There's only about 100 people in the city that were into it back then mm-hmm. that I, that you know, that you ever saw at least. Uh, I guess a few more people bought the records, but probably not too many more. So there's a hundred um, fans and nine hundred interlopers who are just frat boy McGill guys, that's a, that's and they a, got completely smashed. And, and they've come to jeer the punk rock freaks. Oh, okay, interesting. And so as yeah. punk rock freaks go, the two twenty twos were the most visible because you know <laughs> we were pretty flamboyant. You know, I mean, I you know I remember uh, we our our original manager, the first manager. Uh, this guy Pierre de Roche had was uh, he was he had great style. He was the coolest guy, and to me, I really looked up to him as a seventeen year old. He was twenty five or twenty six too at that point. But he'd he'd been in Europe and Paris and London and New York, and you know, and he was he'd owned a a, a clothing store on Saint Denis, I believe. Uh, and he just had all these like Vivian Westwood and you know okay, stuff, right, right, punk right. rock stuff. Similar thing to to Malcolm McLaren. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. it. So Have he had a fashion all... store and then do the punk rock production thing on yeah. the side. Right? And I mean, you know, yeah, I mean, you know, as the two two twos could certainly attest, business was not his strong point. But he was certainly, you know, talking you know, like Malcolm McLaren, very much like a Malcolm McLaren type. Not quite as loquacious, fortunately, but um, you know that kind of thing. So he. Um, so he, he had this clothing store which had gone under at the same time. So in his he had a loft on Saint on Saint on on Saint Lawrence at Rachel, which at the time was kind of a barren area, you know. It was like Back up then. above and you know, it was a giant loft, he probably paid fifty a month for it or something, and you know, and all these clothes were in there. So, you know, we would go there and we could wear have he let us wear the clothes or, you know, give us the clothes or whatever. Right, yeah. So we had we had I mean, I was wearing a day glow leather pants and a chairman Mao shirt and God no you know, whatever accessories and stuff. This but is I when you went on stage at the McGill yes, Festival. Yes. Right. Okay. So you're dressed up you're dressed to taunt those people. Well, well it, yeah. not that you were trying to, but that is well, a bit right? of a bit of both. A little bit, a yeah. bit of both. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, you know, we think we look cool. Uh, and we do, you know, and they, you know, and it's sort of in your fucking face, you know, rap boy. This is total punk rock. I mean, this is like yeah. Malcolm McLaren said that he dressed uh, the Sex Pistols wearing Chairman Mao for the exact reason that it would get this reaction from Americans. Well, would, you know, yeah, I mean, it sounds but it like you also, were doing that. It was also the way we dressed. I mean, we wore that stuff in the street too, right, you know. Right, right. So it was like you know, and, and we, you know, paid the price for it. You know, it was not you. You didn't go unnoticed. But it was sort of a matter of like, well, fuck all you. So I'll you go on. It's, it's by this time, it's you know one in the morning. <laughs> yeah, my head kicked in, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, but I'm just thinking about this. So you go on stage, you're wearing this crazy stuff. There's all these drunken frat boys, and that and, was that, and, and, and just that's what up. got the frat boys. So when the two two twos came on, you know, between the two two twos 
And then the chromosomes, who were another act and who were like sort of our nemesis in the local scene, such as it was, um, they had all their friends over there. And the <clears> chromosomes <throat> were like, uh, were criminals, you know, I mean, they, they were real criminals and, and they, you know, uh, you know, they, they robbed uh, the pharmacies and, and For real. Uh, home invasions and all kinds of fucking terrible stuff. So they were, they were rough guys. Um, and so, and, and so were their friends. They were all like Park Avenue guys. And so they, um, uh, so they were throwing shit at us. And once they started throwing stuff, then all the Pratt boys were throwing. So I, I hadn't sung a note. This is kind of my, my debut. I'm looking fucking slick. And I show up and like the first thing that happens, bang, I get wow. hit in the head with a beer. Well, wow. and this is just like a plastic bottle, but a full beer. But that hurts, you know. Yeah, and they are all yeah. drenched, like ah, but and then bottles were going too. So it was like you know, I, I, you know, I, this was kind of my first gig ever, really. And it's a very, very hostile audience, you know. And then you know, the things are flying left, right, and center at us, like you know. And I'm seeing things go by me. I'm seeing things hit the the fucking symbols, and Louis hiding behind the symbols and stuff like that, wow. and. I, you know, later, I mean, I experienced that a lot. In my Did you manage to play at all? Or it was just, yeah, we played, we played, but I, I, what yeah. had happened is that the chromosomes had also sabotaged our gear. So we go on and our amps don't work. So now I'm standing there and it's just me. And like I say, you know, I got pretty good at dealing with audiences like that because I faced them a lot, you know? Uh, and, but this was the first time and all I really knew was bottles flying. I took my cue from uh, the Stooges Metallic KO record, which had just come out, which is like Iggy got, you know, dodging bottles and taunting the audience. So that's, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't have my own stick down there. So I just figure, okay, well, it's good enough for Iggy and it sounds fucking cool on Metallic yeah. KO. I'll do it here. But that didn't make things any better. And the next thing you know, there's a fucking riot. Yeah. And the riots, so they, they destroyed the, the student union building and then went out on the street and, like, you know, cars, you know, windows wow. smashed and all kinds of shit. And the riot squad came. And so it was known as the Big Punk Rock Riot. And nobody would book for about a year, the 222s in particular, but, you know, no, but nobody could get a gig in town. Nobody would. None of the regular nobody venues. wanted their venue wrecked by a bunch they just, of they just, crazy. They just had a bad taste, this yeah. punk rock thing. Well, it's fucking shit music. And, you know, and these, these you know, like, uh, it's, it's a stupid fad. It's, you know. Uh, I, I just have to say, it's, it's just so incredibly punk rock that your band, like, that's like everything I've ever seen in movies about the Sex Pistols and stuff. And, you know, and the Dead Kennedys and all these other things is, is sort of that kind of a scene. And you lived through that. It was very much cool. that. It was very much that. Yeah. So we couldn't get played. And so at that point, uh, I, Bacteria guy, had told me about his Station 10. I knew the venue. So I went down there, like, you know, little 18-year-old me, I guess, at that point, and said, look, you know, I can make your venue a happening spot. Right, that, right. That, that, all you got to do is book my band. We'll build a stage back here. And, that, that, that. I'll be great. and the guy was like, well, all we really have here are drunk natives, you know, so maybe we'll take maybe a we'll chance. Get some more. Yeah. And they did, of course, you know, not, I mean, I guess, you know, the 222s are a pretty good little band, really. But, you know, I, I, I remember thinking at the time, I mean, you know, it's only many, so many times you can see us 
run through our 15, 20 songs night after night, set after set. But people were always coming. There were always people there. And I figured that partially because, you know, the Tutus were a good band. Uh, and also because, you know, I made a mixtape that played in between, which was like Johnny Thunders and, right. you know, just like music that I liked, which wasn't you weren't going to hear anywhere else. Right. So people would come. I was like, okay. So it was the punk rock club. It became, it became, it became, it became the club, that. yeah. Yeah, it became yeah. And was, nobody played there but us for like So So you were like the house band. You were the house yes, band we of Station house. 10 for about a year. It sounds, right. I mean, this is going to sound, I don't know, maybe flattering or I don't know. But the Hamburg thing for the Beatles, the way they went there, uh-huh. they just played, you know, they played two shows a I night and they got really good because well, it, it was like practicing. Yeah, I mean, right? I mean, yeah, I mean, we, yeah. we never got as good, quite as good as the Beatles. Yeah, well, did, but, yeah. Uh, but yes, yeah. very much so. Yeah. Cause, just so, cause so, it's, it, that's experience, right? You're, yeah. you're on stage playing every, every night, uh, right? That's, yeah. And, I mean, and we, you know, yeah. we, and then we started playing, you know, we started touring a bit and doing all sorts of gigs, but we, um, yeah, yeah. But we, we, you know, we very much, you know, especially because of this sort of punk rock label to us, you know, it was important to us to like, no, 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 we can fucking play, man. You know, we're tight. You wanted to prove that. You wanted to show that you were good and that you really could do music. And it wasn't just screaming, you know. Yeah, that's it. And we were tight, you know. I mean, you know, whatever you think of the songs or whatever, it's nothing. But, you know, we had to, you know, we, we fashioned ourselves as like a, a wannabe professional outfit, if nothing else. And, uh, you know, so we, you know, we were in tune and we fucking played our, you know, we, we didn't make mistakes. We didn't drop songs in the middle of them. Go, Ooh, what's the next chord? You know, we, we were a, a tight man. And so, you know, when we go out on tour with like Teenage Head or something, you know, who were a professional band too. Uh, they, they were, uh, apologies, um, uh, for interrupting, but I, I think they were better known, weren't they? Than us? Yeah. Oh, much more. Because I sort of remember them from the 80s, them and, and the bunch of fucking goofs were a big punk band. Yeah. Teenage uh, was a little bit before teen- that. They, yeah, they were but, but the- I, those are some names I remember as Canadian punk bands from the 80s. Right. And I just, I, I don't ever remember the 222s, but I, just because I'm a little well, bit younger. And, yeah, and you, you know, know, we were like, yeah. who gave a fuck about so you this shitty old man from Montreal yeah. at PlayStation 10? You know? Yeah, so, so, so you toured with Teenage Head early on with 222s, and and then well, and then we did. We we ended up getting. A, we did a lot of like every sort of decent band that would come through town. You'd, you'd open for. We'd get the support slot. Right. So we, you know, we played you know Theatre Saint Denis and the Spectrum. Nice. And so what were some of the bands you opened for? The Velodrome. We headlined the Velodrome. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, <laughs> Believe it or not. So just to understand, you, you, like a band would come and you you would be the the backing. Yeah. Well, you know, band, we we so. figured you know at, at that time we just figured we couldn't play enough. Right, like, you know, right, I mean, right. it would probably strategize a little different later, but at that time, it was sort of like, every time we play, our name is in the Gazette, it's in the Journal right. de Montréal, they mention it on Shome, blah, 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 and everyone is going to have heard of the 2 2 And everyone had heard of the 2 2 It's a good strategy. And in all that, maybe like 0.1% of them like the 2 2 So yeah. we would have an audience, and we could draw, like, you know, we... we you know, and we we did like universities and stuff like that, and, and you know, I mean, we would draw, you know, not at the station ten. Well, the station ten we would pack it though. I mean, it would right. be lined up right. to get it. You know? Nice. But did they charge a cover for that? Was that? Yeah, they must have. Yeah, yeah, they must yeah. have. Well, I so, don't know. Maybe not. Maybe not. Yeah. I, 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 you know, I remember we do a weekend there, and uh, 
I was fucking styling because I'd walk away with a hundred bucks for like my four or five nights. Nice. But you know, I mean, I could live on that. And we did. We all lived together down on, uh, except for Louie at a place. But the three of us at this point, it was Joe, my, my juvenile delinquent friend from, uh, from going back to high school. Uh, he, uh, he was in the band. Then we all lived, uh, we had an apartment that was like five, six room apartment on St. Martin, just below Notre Dame in Griffintown. Uh, and we had uh, so two washrooms. We had a big room to, to rehearse. We each had our own fucking bedroom. It was a beautiful thing. It was $120 a month. Back, know, when back, when, back when Griffintown had no condos, was nothing but storage spaces oh, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I, and Irish criminals, basically. You know, yeah, kind of even, thing, right? even the criminals couldn't be bothered because there's nothing yeah. going on. <laughs> yeah. And I always like, no, it was a dead, dead. Dead, dead part of the city yeah. but for us it was great because you know it was like you know just a quick walk downtown and at that time you know downtown was like glide to, to feel you know most that's where things happen so we could walk there or, you know and come back after gigs and bring chicks back and stuff like that so it was our it was our little place you know and we we lived on that we lived there until i i don't know we eventually we were there for about over well over a year year and a half and then uh we lost it because uh between the four of us and our manager, we couldn't find the 120 bucks one month. <laughs> so you couldn't afford it. You couldn't afford 120 dollars a month. Yeah. Okay. So that's I mean, we, we were all on welfare, or you know, or yeah. uh, I mean, Louis had a job, a part-time job in uh, the SAQ, the liquor store. But the rest of us were, you know, whatever we scraped from the pennies we made as a band and uh, welfare or whatever. Yeah, whatever. Big borrows. Yeah, and welfare was nothing then. Yeah. Welfare was $125 a month. So not so, barely enough that one of your checks would have to go pay the whole rent. Right, 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 that's yeah. it. That's it. <laughs> yeah, then you'd have five bucks left over. It may not even year. have been that much. It may have been less, 150 yeah. It was, it was okay. outrageous, even for the time. Right. Um, okay, so um, just before, I want to move mm. on to... And yeah. nobody would have hired us anywhere, anyways, because, like I said, we we dressed right, right. We, this is yeah. how this was us. So you're we you're didn't all just put tripped costumes out, but, on yeah, for yeah, gigs. Yeah. You it's walked like, around dressed this like is, punk rockers. This is well, like the two twenty twos, whatever right. that is. You know, it's so if like, you walk in to get a job, say I'd like to, you know, apply for, you know, to be the cashier I, or something, they'd be like, "Get the hell out of here! We don't want nothing yeah, to do yeah, with you." Yeah, you couldn't get a job. Right? Maybe, yeah. maybe you get a job in a bar, maybe, but you know. That an eighteen-year-old kid. It's, yeah, it was just yeah. forget. I, I, you know, when I did get a job in a record store, that's true. At one point, for about ten months, I worked at um, as a security thing? guard, a security in that uh, Phantasmagoria Records on Park, right. and that was like an indie store that had like you know, it's a famous. It was records. a famous place. I mean, it was along with Dutchies and yeah, it was bars. one of those. It was yeah. one of the big stores back yeah. back in those days. But I was fired okay. because I fell asleep. Put the oh. door to <laughs> yeah. And well, the second time the boss woke me up. It's like that. You're supposed it's not to be working out. watching the door, bro. Yeah. Hey, so okay. Um. So I want to I want to move on to your experiences in New York. But first, I, I read something about how you, you know, you said how the the guys in the band were mostly French Canadians, and I think that I read you learned French with them, or you see mm -hmm. something like that. Is that? I just wanted to ask you about your linguistic well, my, experience. My, my, my yeah, well, I went to school in French in grade seven. 
uh, you know, Wentworth, where I met Lenny uh, Lenny Epstein for the first time, and uh, who later went on. I, Lenny used was in the punk rock scene later too. He was with he was one of the chromosomes. Oh, well, he, okay, he right. Okay. That, was, that uh, makes sense. And he, and crook, he told right. me recently that he went. He was roadieing for the vibrators when the across uh, the country. They came. Anyways, whatever. So, um, so, so you went to French school in grade uh, seven. Well, French immersion. French immersion. Grade okay. seven. Right. And. You know, I didn't speak a word, and then by the end of the year, you know, I was fair, relatively fluent. And then, you know, in high school, uh, you know, I didn't really speak it. I didn't go to school that often, you know, right. I try not to. So, um, you know, so I, I kind of lost it. I mean, just enough to scrape through. Like, I started in advanced French in grade eight because I'd done the immersion, failed that. Then in grade nine, I'm in regular French. Failed that. I guess you're grade ten in remedial. You know. Uh, so, so by the time you were eighteen, you were very Anglo. Because I, I don't know if I read that something to do with the other guys were all French Canadians, and you kind well, of uh, yeah. spoke French with them or something. They were all French, and yeah. um, and Pierre who was a pretty the guitar player was a pretty key. Um, uh, part of the group, to say the least. Um, you know, he didn't speak any English. Okay. So, and the know, working language of the group was French because they were all francophones. Yes. So. That's yeah. It. So, it's, it's interesting. So, yeah. you know, I mean, and so if I wanted to get, you know, you want to at work first, I just shut up and did what I was told because I was just thrilled to be in the van. But, you know, after a year or so, when I found my feet a little bit, it's like, and I want you know, have a little more influence on, on what we're doing. You know, I, I was like, well, I better, better do this in French if I'm going to be yeah. here. So, you know, and then, I mean, you know, like I say, we rehearse all the time. I was always with those fuckers. So it's like, you know, my, I mean, you know, I had been relatively fluent a number, you know, four or five years before in grade seven. So... I um so you, you know, kind so of picked, picked it up, back right, up right. Right. yeah yeah I mean did, I'm curious too did did they want to get an anglophone as a lead singer I think so yeah, they wanted a guy without without so. an accent who would sing I think so right yeah He'd sing in English I right? think so yeah. and I think that they felt uh, you know uh, at that time at least I think they felt like wow. Well, French, we never make good music. Yeah, <laughs> it's all you know. It's like Chris; he's authentic. He's English. He's right. Anglophone. Right, right. He's got that right. from that culture, which was true. I mean, I was weaned in rock and roll culture, yeah. like you know, Green Magazine. Green Magazine my, was my boy. I have an older friend, Jean Louis Roux, who grew up in TMR. He's fluently bilingual. He said that in the '60s there was a big divide. The Anglo's were all into the kind of hippie thing, like in the mid to late sixties with long hair. He said all the French Canadians were still wearing leather jackets and had their hair all slicked back, like there was, you know. So I there, mean, there is this divide, and you wonder how much it interacts and how much it's separate. Even now, well, you know, it's hard to know. When I, by the time right? when I came around, like you know, into you know, like started you know being outside of my high school, you know, my uh, my horizons had expanded a little more than, you know, my high school. Um, the, the, the 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 French scene and the music was a lot really like hippie stuff. It was like harmonium and Baudemars. That's that's and, all the progressive rock that was big among francophones, right? Like Emerson yeah. Lake and Palmer, Rush was huge among right? Yeah. That was a different that was ten years later. Right, it was from what Jean Louis was talking about. Yeah, in the I guess 60s, so. Right, I guess so. Yeah. But that's still a divide. 
because they oh, were all listening to Pink Floyd and Rush, and, and the Anglo community was more getting into this. Kind of, you, Anglo you know, community had shitty taste too. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm not trying to make a case the Anglo community was better. No, no, just no, no, I, no. I think it may be a little more in line with the British and American yes, scenes. Yes, perhaps, yes, right? much, much might more be so. one way to think about it. With you know, things are coming out in New York and London, and they're getting to the Anglo's first in Montreal. Yeah, and then they're yeah, right, but way, not you know. the same way as they got to the Anglo's in in Toronto or other places. Montreal was a little fucking retarded, you know. It's like you know. For instance, the Dolls. I saw them in '74, like a couple of months before they split up. Um, you know, they played Toronto in their heyday. The Stooges played Toronto. They, they, the Stooges play. they never came to Montreal. The Stooges, yeah, but they were closer to Toronto too. Well, they, they were, were close. Detroit, that's true. Right? That's so, true. That's uh, true. So they could have been part of their regional thing. But there was but, no. But they, you know, they were still. I mean, they've been. You know. Well, the, produced by David Bowie. They, well, there was a fair amount. Yeah. There was people knew who Iggy Pop was. Yeah, you know, I, I did a I did a podcast with a guy in Windsor who is sort of an expert in punk and reggae, and, and we had an interesting discussion at the beginning about where's the best music scene in Canada, Montreal, Toronto, or Windsor, because it's right next to Detroit, right? So, mm-hmm. I, I think that there's sort of a regional thing going on there. That teenage head was what Hamilton or something? Yeah, so, Hamilton. Right? So and and, and Montreal is kind of out at the eastern end of that, although it's closer to New York just geographically. So the yeah, but it know. didn't. It didn't. Yeah. it didn't really filter up the same way. You know, like you know, right. like all those. There's uh, also the French aspect too, which is a, a complicated well, yeah, but factor. Yeah, I guess so. I right. guess so. Well, yeah. and that's it because you know the the uh, Quebecois. French Quebecois, these were not, uh, you know, in, I mean, look, all the 2 were French, right? Right, right? So, I mean, and you know, and, and Danger, so. and they were, they, you know, they were big Dolls fans, and, you know, right. so it wasn't like, yeah. you know. So it's not like there's a wall between the two communities, is what you're saying. Yeah, right? a it, it just seemed like that, that, yeah. but that, you know, for the most part. And, you know, the other thing, too, is that, you know, the Quebecois had their own scene. They had their own yeah. Franco scene here. So, and it was much more uh, lucrative. Uh, than playing for English Montreal, you know. Clearly, so it's like you know, just what, the population the, numbers, right? You've got much wider. It, it, like in the early days, the two two twos. I mean, I think it was almost exclusively fucking kids from my high school that came to see it. <laughs> really? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, that might be, but you know, it was definitely Anglo's. But I mean, that that evolved, that changed, okay. and you know, of course, there were Francophones too. But yes, they were very different. And you know, the other two two twos, those guys were uh, they they voted we to separate in nineteen eighty. I'm not surprised. So somehow, the, the way you're describing them, from I'm guessing their backgrounds were mostly Quebecois, uh, you know. Yeah, yeah. And just being that kind, of, like being subversive punks, they would be more likely, you know, to be on the left side of the political spectrum. Maybe, maybe. You know, I certainly wasn't. I mean, we we argued about that, but you know, civil discourse. You know, we, we yeah. you know we begged to you know agree. I, 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 I have I have a couple of really good friends who are francophones, and this was for the ninety. After the 95 referendum, my friend Sylvain Michaud, and we used to argue all the time, in French mostly, you know. And that really formed me. Like, it really made me see their point of view about separatism in, in a way that I don't think I could have gotten if I had, right. you know. Right. Um, I, I have a real kind of an affinity to French Canada. Well, I, you know, I mean, I've become much more sympathetic to that cause as the years went on. But in you not know, that I support it, but just right, just that I understand right. it because I, I, you know, because you argue with people for a couple of years, getting drunk and doing coke or whatever, you, you know, you start to understand what they're saying. Maybe they're hearing what you're saying. But yeah, yeah well, yeah, sure. Ideally, that's the idea, right? I mean, that's that's you know, ideally, <laughs> and that can only happen in Montreal. It's not going to happen in Toronto or Detroit, right? So that's something we can. 
Maybe. To, I don't know. To your earlier point about there being different scenes, regional stuff. I mean, I mean that is true to a point, you know. I guess, uh, you know, but that's constantly evolving. It depends on on the city, you know. Like for my bands, Windsor was always a great place to play, you know, and and Winnipeg was another one. Really, you know, uh, Halifax. You know, you just just didn't know, you know. But Edmonton, not so much. Interesting. Know? So it was just whatever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, Halifax. Some places, conf- Halifax is not a very big city. My wife and I went there recently. We saw like there was a thing out in the park. There was a DJ there playing like all kind of like really good rap, like you know Biggie Smalls and stuff. And the crowd was really into it. And I was like, this is really cool. Right. You know, this is and and other places you go. I mean, Edmonton seemed very. I was there once a long time ago. Just spread out and really dull, and suburban. You know, so I don't know. Well, you know, you I know? a lot of it depends on what's going through town too because you know like by i mean and and you know uh you know edmonton in 1983 was very different than it was in 1988 you know or 87 you know it was snfu you know all this other, you know it's it a different true. thing it changes yeah. but halifax uh 39 steps used to play halifax very regularly um because uh before we had a record even we're just like you know just sort of working out a repertoire and there's this club called the Odeon Ballroom in the Scotia Square, I think it was, right, or right across the street from Scotia Square. And it was this big room, like, you know, 1,200, 1,300 people or something. And it was oh, run nice. by what I assume was uh, uh, an org- organized criminals. And <laughs> they, I mean, I guess they were using it to launder money or whatever. But anyway, so, you know, it was sort of not, even by Halifax standards, it was not considered really a hip club. But they had, but they would fly in, these bands from Montreal, these like sort of new wave groups, um, you know, or alternative, I guess you're being called then. And they and, would fly you in. They fly in and they, they pay for your flights, right? and you'd play a week there. Yeah, and nice. well, you know, we did. We had and because they had a cabaret license, you had to do three fifty-minute sets every night. And you know, we'd start, I think, on a Monday night, and then we'd finish on Sunday. And you know, from Monday to Thursday, you know, in this big cavernous room would be maybe forty people, maybe they'd come to see you each night, you know, and usually they're the same people. Um, and then Your on a fan weekend, base. you'd get like a yeah. couple hundred, and I'd be like, "Oh man, it's what happened." Two hundred fifty people, yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So, but it was still it was like the New York Dolls at the Palladium, right? Uh, at right. the Showmar, it was like this big cavernous room, and us, it's like the playing fucking set. And but they kept hiring us and giving us more money. So it's like you know, Bomb we could you. do. It wasn't you know, it wasn't many places we were going to hire a band like us without even a record to. Uh, play like you know our original music for uh you know 50 two three fifty sets a night and pay us like you know uh, we'd come back with like you know i don't know maybe 600 bucks each which, you know pretty good it was more than we were making anywhere else though like alabax <laughs> we're gone you know i live off that for three months no, so no so, lie so so you're, you're you've already mentioned another band you were in through now steps at one point you relocated to new york and you were in a few bands down there i wanted just to talk that's, about your new york time. well that that's much later when the 222 split up uh, I was basically uh, uh, dismissed from the 222. Really? They had wanted to go. It became very clear that we were uh, thinking very differently, going in very different musical directions. Those guys were frustrated. You know, they were older than me. So, you know, they're, they're getting older. It's like, we've got to happen. we got to break it. I'm tired of being on Um So uh, 
they 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 wanted to go in a much more uh, I would say FM rock direction, pop, and that was impossible. Pop music, kind of like right. Van Halen would come right, up, right. Uh, you know these shitty Canadian. I mean, you know the stuff that to me was like make me barb. It's impossible. It was never. That's so you were, never going to happen. You were you were too authentic, and I, I mean that as a compliment. You were like, I want to do punk rock. I don't want to do Van Halen and pop know, music. I don't know if like I would have called it punk rock, but I know I didn't want to do that. Right. Right. The lover boy, you know, it was this yeah, kind of thing. It's like, you know, I, it's like, it, yeah, I couldn't do it for one, and it was everything that I, I hated, right? It was everything I, I, I ranged my life against that, right? right. <laughs> you know, my, you know, my whole being, every fiber of my being. So, so they that. basically, it sounds like they said, "Look, we're going in this direction. You're going to follow us, or you're out." No, they kind of like were. No, they, they 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 were getting frustrated. You know, I mean, and the two shoes were doing okay. You know, I mean, you know, we we uh, we you know we were still doing well. You know, we could still draw very well in Montreal. Everybody knew us right. at that point, um, and people came out to see us. We even make a bit of money. Uh, we'd sell out the weekend in, at Larry's Hideaway in Toronto repeatedly. Nice. We, you know, we would all, we would do well. I mean, you know, well, well, well by, as as good as a, as a you know mid level punk band in the eighties could be doing. 70s, 70s, yeah, 70s, 70s. Well, I guess it's eighty. Early eighties, like yeah. eighty one. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I mean, that's so, that's pretty good, right? I mean, mm. you know, it's uh, yeah, yeah. We were, you know, I mean, but but it, the, it but the guys were getting, pond, but we were the biggest fish in this right. very small <laughs> right, pond, right. and and the guys were getting. Anxious to sort of, they really wanted to move on to more, you know. Yeah, they were totally unrealistic, you know. You know, but so anyways, but I mean, I mean, fair enough. You know, they want to do you different. Have to be if you want to be a pop star, don't you have to sort of put your mind onto something that's impossible? Is that I don't know. You know what? I, I don't. No, know. not that you should have become no, lover no, boy I, or anything, but just well, I mean, that's, it's, that's that, yeah. what would be the point, right? Yeah. It's like you know, I remember, uh, you know, in in eighty three, uh, I was. Before, I guess before, I guess I'd just come back from London, um, and um, Ivan, uh, Man Without Hats, had this had the big hit, Safety Dance, and they were huge. Yeah, it was, huge. Were it was huge. top. Yeah. yeah, it was like a number one hit uh, worldwide. You know, yeah. and the album too, and and um, and then they had and, a fairly decent career for a few years. Oh yeah, they, yeah, you know, sure. yeah, they were. Sure. Yeah. I've been still working yeah. on that and living yeah. off the royalties. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know that yeah. for a fact because yeah. we've become friends over the years, but. He, um, but I, and I remember like everybody here was like, it was such a small little thing. People are like, petty and jealous. And so they just put them down and, you know, they, it was fucking lame. And it's like, you know, at that point, I, I remember been, I that. around a bit. And he used to drink at the bars in, in the nineties, you know, like, like double deuce and stuff. And they'd be like, oh yeah, he's always bumming beers and everything. And I was well, like, then, what? Yeah. And, then, and it was sort of this sort of resentment because he was probably the one the, the the men with that hats were probably the biggest. Oh, were that, well, you know, out of any of, of all the bands. Oh, no, about, no whether comparison. it's boot sauce or two two twos or whatever, you know. Oh well, later, yeah, yeah, yeah. no, I, but certainly at the time, they were the first like band from our scene that you know not only got big, they got really big. Um, but so you know, jealousy, right? Well, there's a lot of jealousy, but then, you know, I, I, I with the two two twos got the same thing. It was just like you know, small town shit. Right. So yeah. Yeah. it's like you know, so and I can remember, and I I've experienced it. You know, maybe people genuinely didn't like me or genuinely didn't like the band, but. 
you know, uh, I think a lot of it was just jealousy yeah. over nothing because there's not really that much to be jealous. Yeah, right. You know? <laughs> it's it's, not, it's not like you were the Rolling Stones or something. No, yeah, you know, no. like, yeah, living large, right? You know, for Ivan it was a little different because <laughs> Ivan really was the one, right, you know. And right. I and I can remember like sticking up for Ivan and saying, "Ah, fuck off." He was jealous. It's like yeah. you know, yeah, their record stinks, but you know, it's a big fucking hit, and Ivan's an okay guy, and his brother's okay too, and you should just be happy for them. You know, it's like, it's good for them, you know, it's like, but I, the reason why I bring that up is because I can remember the time I always wanted to hit, but I didn't want to hit that I'd be embarrassed right. about it. Right. It wasn't worth it. It was well, like, I wouldn't want safety dance. Well, yeah. I want the money. Really? Yeah. No. Well, I was just going to say, like, myself personally, the money, I, I don't listen to Loverboy, and I, when I was when I was 10, I liked Rush, but I don't really listen to them anymore. But I still listen to Metal That Has. I like, I think, I, I really enjoy, it's a very new wave sound, very different, it's not a punk sound at all, but mm-hmm. I, I, I liked them. I, I think they were good. Yeah, I well, thought they were, you know, that's my personal opinion. You know? Yeah, yeah, that's it. So, I mean, I don't think it's bad. I don't think, I don't think you can have a hit that big that's bad oh, of course you can of course you can it's, yeah. it basically has to be bad to be that big a hit i mean <laughs> yeah. he's a close common denominator stuff but um yeah, you know no true. i mean i i mean i don't want to be disannying for sure not that he fucking cares but um uh well he's counting his money yeah. uh, <laughs> but uh but I, I mean you know and and you know and maybe if i went back to it i would feel differently i know i, I know ivan was was a decent lyricist, if nothing else. Um, so I'll give him credit for that. But it, I'm just saying, just, you know, for me, like, when I, okay, so we were saying, when I went right. to London, so after the okay. 2 split up, I went to London. The 2 shoes I would, had, you know, I was basically kicked out of the band. I kicked, I stuck around here for a little while, and what the fuck am I going to do? I was 20 years old, and it's like, this is what my, this is what I was. This is what I did. And, like, now I didn't have the band. And so it's like, well, okay, you know, I mean, I'll pop another band together. But it wasn't so easy, and it was definitely not so easy getting uh, people that were anywhere near as good as the two twenty twos as those guys. Yeah. So it was like, well, you know, and nobody was really into the music that I was into here. They still weren't. It was still, you know, they were either trend following, chasing the trend, or they just basically wasn't into rock and roll. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so I figured, well, okay. I got to leave here because what else am I going to do? I'm not going to get a job. I can't fucking go straight. I, that's impossible. I, you know, I, I couldn't have done it. So that um, was literally not an option. It's it was just not an like I, I, I'm a punk rock singer or a punk rocker and I got to live this life. I, I'm just. So if what I can't I, do it in Montreal, I got to go to New York or go to London. I, or, yes, yeah. that's it. I, I, I couldn't have taken a straight job or. I mean, it just wasn't who I was, right? So, you know, so I mean. People say, "Oh, you're lucky. You got a, a vision. You know, you know what you want to do." So, I, well, it's like it's not that I know what I want to do so much. It's like I know what I don't want to do, <laughs> right. and that's go straight. You know, it's like, and I still, I never did. Praise the Lord. Um, Interesting. But uh, it's so, interesting. So, so I you say that, so you feel more like you were pulled. I mean, that's what you're describing—not pulled, but it's you're not. It's sort of the opposite. It was, it was destiny, Jason. Right, destiny. destiny. Right. No, but people have this idea that you're like, if you're, a, you know, you're driven, and you. But it's whenever I hear people like you describe, they always talk about like writing music. They say it just came through me, like, and it always sounds like that's right. Is that is that possible? But what you're describing sure. is sort of not so much your driving, but something pushing yeah. you. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah. You know, it's funny. You know, uh, like you know, I, I, it was funny. The first time I ever uh, performed straight as a singer on stage, it was a, the weirdest thing. Uh, I didn't know what I was going to do. Well, I don't know. You know, I'll find out. You know, uh, music starts playing and stuff, and and I'd seen uh, Iggy Pop. Uh, 
76, I guess, with David Bowie. Um, and I, wow. it blew my mind. Yeah, it was sort of like, so fucking it was the greatest thing ever. My Changed my artists, life. Man. I mean, <laughs> so I didn't know, I, I didn't know what <laughs> yeah. I was going to do. You know, and there was only about seven, six, seven hundred people that gig, you know. Um, That's and a lot of people knew David Bowie was there. Oh, at the Bowie gig? At the Bowie gig. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. So, okay. um, wow. but the, so the band starts playing, and there was, uh, it was like some force picked me up and said, <laughs> and just made me move and run around and do my things. And yeah. it was like, it was like some, I was like, I mean, it's, you know, it's that's happy, really cool. but it was like yeah. being possessed. It was like some force, and that force, uh, whatever that beast is, <laughs> some fucking attention-seeking uh, spirit or whatever, it gets in me, and it's like and it I, animates you. I, I, very, animates. very much so. Yeah. Very much so. I, you know, I, I I never really articulated that uh, for a long time, but then I realized, well, that's kind. Of, that's what it is, you know. And so, even you know, if I was to do a gig now. Which I'm not likely to do, but if I was to do a gig now, and I have done them some, you know, some relatively recently, like over the past ten years, I guess that's recent when you're my age. But um, uh, the the gigs that are good is when that creature finds me, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> when that when that force so, uh, that thing finds me and puts me out there, and and then you don't think about it, you just do it. You, you're you in the moment, you, yeah, right? You're in the moment. Out. You're just doing it. Yeah. I mean, this and is, you become one with the music. Yeah. I mean, this is what I think that people are looking for when they're fans of music, and that's why. Why go like? You could say, you know, why go see a show when you know you're going to be sweating and it's going to be mm. hot? No, but it, and, there's yeah, because some... Muslim, yeah. No, but it, there's something about being present with that artist is better than seeing them on a TV set. There's some, there's, and so I don't know whether that's the, the other side of it is kind of that sense of just I don't know right. what it is, like a spiritual thing in a weird yeah, way. Yes, right? yes, very you much know? so. Very much yeah, so. It's an experiential uh, thing, right? Very much yeah. so. Yeah, they're not even in a way. That's kind of. What I, it I, is. I, did, I discovered this when when covid hit i'm a i'm a teacher like i'm a you know a professor of you know language and we had to do it on zoom so we had to do this on like i had to go do this on zoom and that was my takeaway was i can't describe the difference mm. but when i'm there with looking in their eyes they're looking at me there's something about that experience that's intangible that sure. i find better and i think it's better for them i guess it's, you know yeah, well, Except, I, obviously it's not the same as you i mean you were up on a stage know, a much bigger thing obviously right, and, but, and lights and stuff yeah you know, but, yeah you're you're but, really you know, you but know, it's a similar i, I don't thing. mean to compare myself to you but just the experience of yeah. being there sure well as a teacher you communicate Communicating to an audience, right? That's what you're trying to do. And, yeah, so yeah. Saying, are you communicating to an audience. You're just better at it than more. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're just you're just what you are. You just do. I mean, that was a thing for me. It's like this. Uh, I you know, and you know, it gave my better interest. But it was just always like, you know, I just got to do what I do. I can I I I know. Like for instance, you know, later with their next steps. You know, we had big management and record labels and stuff like that. And I was a writer. You know, I was the writer. So everybody's bugging me to write a hit, you know. And I wanted a hit too, man. I, you know, fuck, sure. I you're working for something. Well, you're trying I, to do something. Well, you I, want recognition. Right? Well, of course. Right. Yeah, right. that's exactly. it. You want that. And, and, you know, and you're living a relatively desperate life, really, right? Because you got no money. You're like, you know, you're not getting any younger. And, like, you know, you're doing this fucking thing. Well, what do you do? Oh, I play in a rock and roll band. It's like, oh, you and, like, 10 billion other people more successful <laughs> than you. And better than you. Right. You know? And say, so well, they're not better than me. They're just more successful. Right, right, right. So, um, but, it, you know, so, you know, I wanted it too, but I just, I, I couldn't. 
I couldn't, I mean, you know, I couldn't bring myself to write what was on the radio. Right. I could have. I could have. So know you were capable of doing it, but you're, there was something in your being that was like, no. That's it. Not That's me. not what I'm going to do. Even though I could, you know, put I the pen to paper and say, I love you, baby. I love you. Whatever. Come up with the whole love song. Uh, yeah. And, and I did do that for other artists. I, I write songs for other people, but I'm not going to fucking perform. Interesting. I just do it for movie. I do it for money. Yeah. But I'm not going to put my name on it. Right. I'm, I'm not going to be me. You have, a, you have a reputation. Even without a reputation. Yeah. It's just, yeah, with just a reputation, not do without it. a reputation, it's just like, yeah, yeah. just, just, yeah. how could you do? That? I, I, I couldn't do it. As I'd be, I would be, I wouldn't be able to look myself in the mirror if I sort of became whatever was popular. Yeah. You know, I just couldn't do it. It's like you know, what was the point when I started with the punk rock thing? I mean, you know, so naive, but you know. I wanted to change the cultural landscape. Right, right. It's I don't like think it's you know, naive at all. I, and you probably well, did. <laughs> well, well, I, I don't mean, know, you know that much. Of no, I, I, I honestly, I, I think we shouldn't underestimate. Even if you never get totally famous, you, you did something. You were a part of the scene in Montreal. You shouldn't underestimate. In Montreal, that. yeah, yeah, yeah. And and you were performing all those days. People were watching you. I mean, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Those are individuals who maybe some of them are like, wow, this this band's great. I'm really having a good time. And then later on, they're talking to their yeah, friends no, or something no, to that. I mean, there's, there's, that's yeah. true. And many people have come up to me later. And so, hey, yeah. Yeah, yeah. For okay. sure. For sure. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, so, people so, did better, had better courage than me. Well, yeah. Um, I, I want to return a little bit later to the sort of nearly touching success thing, because that's an interesting philosophical question. But... In New York, right? You were in New York for a number of years, and um, the, the scene in the Woody Allen movie is something. Just I'm, I'll just describe how what I saw, and and then you can tell me how it came about. It's Hannah and her sisters, and there's a they're in CBGB's, is a famous club in New York. I think it's CBGB's, and Woody Allen's sort of all nervous, and she's snorting coke, and he's all kind of, and you're the band up on the stage, right? And so I wondered if you could. Say how that came about and just talk about that a little bit because that's a huge deal. You're in a yeah. Woody Allen movie, man. That's uh, like... The Academy Award winner. Like, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I forgot to mention. And you know, shitty movies don't win those awards. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. But moving on. But is, um, is that your hint? It just occurred uh, to me. Is that your pop? I suppose. Uh, you know, know you have an Academy Award. I mean, a sideways Academy well, Award. Well, I suppose if anything I did could be called. I, I'm like not it. trying to insult you. No, no. Just, I just, I I mean, he can't insult me. Yeah. It's, it's a, I'm much too fucking thick. Uh, <laughs> but just but, the way you mentioned the Academy Award, and it made me think that's a very mainstream thing, and you were kind of yeah. tangentially a part of it. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, uh, I mean, I could. This could be a long story, but I'll try and do it. I'll try and do it short, quickly. I um after the two two twos, I went to London. I um I met uh, this girl that I was fucking had another girlfriend who was in London. She'd been her boyfriend was Brian James of the Damned, and she was a writer. She was a photographer for um uh for uh Melody Maker and The Enemy and Sounds and all these things. So she was right in on the scene there. And she came to Montreal one day, and this girl who I was no longer seeing, but I was still friends with, um, who was actually um, Erica M. Of Much Erica Music. M. Yeah. Wow. So it was a Erica blast was, from the past. I remember she was on Much Music for many, many years. Yes, that's right. Yeah, she, was, right. she was a big DJ yeah. star. Anyway, so Erica introduced me to this other girl, Erica Eckenberg, who was uh, in London and were very well set up there. And because I had expressed to Erica that I that I, I had to get out of here, you know, I had to 
tired of Montreal. Like, wanted to yeah, yeah. You know, like sort of like going to the big leagues, you know. And so tired uh, of playing in the minor league. You want to. Yeah, so Erica was hooked in with everybody, and uh, she'd informed me that Glenn Matlock from the Sex Pistols was looking for a singer. Um, so I so so she'll wow. tell him about me. So I gave her a tape of the two two two. She brought it to, back to England with her, gave it to Glenn, and then got a call a couple weeks later from Glenn saying, "Hey, you sound great, man. There's blah, 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 you know, wow. when are you coming? Let's let's do let's do. This. I think we should do this band." So I was like, okay, that, that's good. You know, they had a record deal on Rack Records. Mickey Mose uh, produced Animal, the Animals and Hermits Hermits produced it. Wow. Anyway, so. This uh, is moving up. I mean, well, yeah, yeah. The, sex yeah, it was a, it was a real animals, thing. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, their record deal and they're, you know, playing London and some of that. So, you know, and then UK. And the, yeah, they were, you know, uh, Glenn had just come off the, the Sex Pistols and the Rich Kids, which are another successful group. So, um, so great. So I, you know, when I got there about a month later, they, you know, I, I hooked up with, with Glenn. The first night I was there, I went to the marquee and, um, and we hung out and then we went with Glenn and uh, a few other people, guys from Generation X and these other bands, you know, famous groups, like in punk rock circles. At least. And uh, we ended up at the marquee where I was introduced to Andy McCoy from the Hanoi Rocks who was sure that I was a new speed dealer in town and wouldn't believe me when I said, look, I just got here. I got on the plane this afternoon. I don't, I don't know where to you know, Come on, you know. Anyways. Um, That's hilarious. And, and Glenn, you know, so, you know, we hit it off socially. I mean, I, I hit it off with most people socially, you know. And, uh, and so, you know, so, you know, so it's looking pretty good, you know. And, you know, they, they've heard me. They know what I'm capable of, you know. Uh, and... Uh, so Glenn says to me, you know, at the end of the night, I said, yeah, Chris, you know, you're a real swell chap or whatever fucking English thing. You know. Bloke. Uh, you, Good maybe, bloke. Maybe, yeah. maybe. And you say, yeah. I literally am a bloke back home in Quebec. Uh, <laughs> literally. Anyway. Um, <laughs> he said, but, you know, so, you know, man, you sing like Michael Jackson. We've got something here. Nice. And right away, my heart sunk. Michael oh, Jackson. I see. Yeah, okay. He's yeah, listening you're... to my tape. Yeah. You know, Billy Jean had just come out that week. Oh, I got you. Uh, I'm like, Michael Jackson? No, no, I don't sound like Michael Jackson at all. So anyway, so, you know, the day later, day two later, we start, you know, rehearsing this thing. And, you know, when it's fucking clear, like, you know, when I go into rehearsal, uh, Glenn says, okay, Chris, what do you want to play? Because I didn't have any of their material yet. I said, I don't know, there's maybe something with Stooges, you know. And Glenn was the only person who knew the Stooges. Right? The other guys, yeah, the other like guys down down. on the street, actually. Yeah. And Glenn was the only guy who fucking knew the Stooges and the group. And that was like, oh, that's a bad sign. Uh, and the other guitar player was this guy, James Stevenson, who uh, had been in Generation X, later version of Generation X with uh, Billy Idol, and uh, <clears throat> ended up uh, playing with uh, Gene Lopez Jezebel. Wow, yeah, they're pretty crappy. Big but, well, yeah, no, but it's so. a big name. And, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. These guys yeah. were, you know, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. James was basically doing session work. Like he was, you know, going down, like playing the continent with various bands and stuff like that. You know, he was a professional musician. You know, and they had this deal on rap, which was Mickey Most label. The, and the drummer, who was not a bad drummer either, was Mickey Most's son. So Mickey Most, I mean, was you know his day had been in the '60s, but you know, it was still a pretty good setup. And for me. 20 years old, just coming off the fucking boat, literally. It's like, 
I've walked into this wonderful thing. Wonderful. Makes sense. Except. Except it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't. It, wasn't. it was like, yeah, I was the wrong guy for them, and, and, and they were the wrong man for me. And so that sort of fizzled as quickly as, wow. as it started. So I had been in London. I started playing uh, Ian Asprey from The Cult. I, I picked up a manager there, and this manager who was, who was like, giving me money and sort of sending me around, you know. He had um, he was managing the cult or the Southern Death Cult at that time, and Ian split to start to sing with Billy. So the other guys needed a singer. So I went and played. I went up to Bradford to play with them. You know, a couple of weeks was like I knew exactly why Ian had left the band and started. That wasn't going to work. Came back to London and singing shit. Then another guy. Then I had another hookup with this guy Henry Panavani. Henry Panavani had been in the Police. He was a Richie start of the Police. Um, and when Andy Summers got in the group, Henry was kicked out. They used to tease him because he didn't hair dye his hair blonde. He ended up playing with Jane Cowdy instead. But uh, Henry, you know, Henry had good taste. He was uh, he knew his rock and roll and he could play. And he had a band with um, Pete Farndon, who had been the bass player of the Pretenders, mm -hmm. and uh, and Topper Hedden, drummer of the Clash. Clash yep. So this was their sort of super group. And they needed a singer, and they wanted somebody wow. that wasn't famous that not everybody knew. You know, and I was, you know, I was young, good looking. You know, I had some style. You know, uh, I didn't dress like everybody in from the clothes that they wore on the King's Road because I didn't have the money. <laughs> I had my weird Montreal fashion, which is do-it-yourself. So, you know, not that I was any fashion player, but I know I looked different than other people because so everybody stuck else. out. Sort of. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. And I, you know, and I, in a good I, way. You know, they're like, this guy's way. different. Like, yeah, yeah, that's something new. That's yeah. And I, you know, I tended to get attention one way or so, the other. So, did so, you join this? Well, this is it. So, yeah. I started, you know, they gave me there's some material. I wrote a bunch of lyrics. So, I mean, maybe wrote three songs. Um, and then uh, we were rehearsing on uh, Monday. Uh, it's going to be our first rehearsal. Uh, and I'm going to sing these songs or the lyrics that I've written for their material. I probably had a week or two with it. <clears throat> um, and then I ran into my manager at a party that night. I was having to bump into him at a party in uh, Kensington. And uh, he said, yeah, Chris, the thing on Monday with uh, Topper and, uh, and uh, Henry, it's not going to happen. I said, oh, no, when do they get another singer? Do they get somebody they, they think better? I said, no, Pete O'Deed last night. Oh, Pete O'Deed, he, he, he died of a heroin overdose, and that was the end of that band. So I was basically... Rock and roll life, right? <laughs> Literally, you know, that's... Yeah. Well, so that was it. So it was just one, you know, many, like, uh, potential things, one after another, and then each thing went to shit. So ultimately, you know, I, I didn't have much money when I went to London. I think I maybe had about 600 pounds in total. And I, I you know, I wasn't going to go there. I wasn't going to get a fucking job there either. Uh, so I would, you know, getting a job is not a thing, right? No, not, I wasn't, not. I didn't want to be anyone's boy. It was bad for my soul. Couldn't do it. You're a punk rocker so at heart. I just was yeah. not the boy, yeah. you know? So, uh, uh, so anyways, I didn't have to, cause I had this manager who would throw me money, you know, not, not a lot, but enough to get bought, you know? Uh, for, so you're, you're a, kind of stringing along in a certain way, well, right? You don't yeah, have much, you don't have any income. You can't get a job. This band fell apart. You're kind of yeah, limbo. Nothing's, nothing's coming together. Yeah, so right. I've been there for about six months now, and uh, I've I've got a solo thing together, like where I'm writing the music. I've got some good musicians, some guys from uh, Generation X, nice. uh, Slaughter and the Dogs, and these you know guys. So, but it's even that. It's like a rock and roll band at a time where it's not really going to happen. That was the thing that bugged me about London. It was like all these people and they let these people's music I'd looked up to, you know, and looked up to them. Uh, they all, they were all just chasing the hit. 
You know, it's like for me, it was like it was, you know, no, no, no. This you is, you this went is, there for the authenticity of it, thing. and they're all a bunch of people looking for fame. Yeah, and everything. that's it. Yeah, that's that's it. And I like, you know, and I wanted that too. But as I was saying earlier, you know, it had to be good. Yeah. Yeah, it had to be something I'd be proud of. Anyways, so I'm, I'm running around there doing nothing, and this guy, Michael Brayman, uh, he had, he was a guy who I'd done a couple of demos with. He paid me to sing and write on some music that he was doing before I left. And he was crazy. You know, he was uh, like, you know, I could write a book about Michael and I might someday because it's, uh, he was something else. Um, but he, uh, he was a rich kid um, and he stole, and, and his sister, Risa Brayman had been a very big, was a big, at that time she was a big shot at, um, at, um, HBO. She was an executive doing the comedy stuff. I went to a comedy club with her once and all these guys, uh, Yakov Shiranoff and what's the guy who used to yell? Uh, oh, Sam Kinson. Yeah, Sam Kinson. Is, is this in New York or this is, That's in New York. In New York. Like, yeah, so by this sorry, time, that's yeah, yeah. Right, okay. So, so this is, I'm, so you, so, so just, I'm yeah. all over, I'll do it. It's okay. okay. It's okay. I'm all over the place. <laughs> it's all right. It's okay. Um, I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to, you know, situate things. So, so I'm in London. Right. My, uh, you know, I'm not turning out to be a very good investment for this manager. Uh, I've got this sort of band together with some material, but you know, we've got a lot of work to do before we're actually yeah. going to be like, get any money, get a deal or anything like that. And I'm living really, really hand to mouth. And the place where I had been living with a few other people, uh, we didn't have the reds. And the landlord, yeah, Scottish guy came, yeah, big yeah. Scottish guy came with a few bruisers one night, and I was there. And he said, "Look, you know, you either tomorrow I'm coming here tomorrow morning, and you either have the red or you're going to die." Yeah. Or you're so, not here. Is what he's well, you're yeah. well. You, you either pay the, the red, but don't fucking be here because I'll exactly. kill you. You know, uh, and uh, he made, he was like, you know, he was just something, something from uh, Minder or some British TV or, or show, you know. Train spotting. It sounds kind of like, like, oh, yeah, kind of like that yeah. guy in train spotting. It was totally crazy. Anyway, he was Scottish and he could hardly understand him. The, yeah, yeah, I, I yeah. Yeah. So, so, okay, so, so you had to get I, the I had hell to, out of it. I had to leave. Right. I okay. had to get out of there quick and I had nowhere to go. I stayed with my manager for a couple of weeks. Then he, you know, I'm this fucking kid, you know. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I had to sleep my couch. Buy him a plane ticket to New New York just to get him out of here. Well, right? I ended up on the street. Right? Oh my so God. I was like, had nowhere to go. And, uh, and, uh, you know, next to no money. And I certainly couldn't afford hotel rooms or anything like that. Oh. So I was basically sleeping in the park, the train station, going, you know, oh, you know, thinking, well, this is temporary. You know, I mean, this is, you know, I'm not going to do this tomorrow. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll find so-and-so and they'll mm -hmm. put me out or I'll do this or I'll, you know, I'll, I'll hustle, I'll get some money, whatever, you know, but like this is not going to happen. But what happens? How, how just, long did it go on for? Well, you know, you know, you know it, it, it felt like, it felt like a fucking years, but it was not that long. A few weeks, maybe. A few weeks on but the it, street's a long time. Well, if you, if you're not, if you're not two street nights on the street, is yeah, a long time. Yeah, yeah, you know, true. you know, you, yeah. you don't realize like it, 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 it fucks you up. I mean, you know, you, 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 you can't really sleep. You got nowhere yeah. to go, but it's fucking boring. Yeah. There's nothing to do. It gets cold at night, even in the summer, you know, yeah. So. People like, you know, I fucking remember we used to sleep in Victoria Station sometimes. Other oh. rubbies would sleep there too, and they would stink of piss and stuff. And oh, it's like, man. oh, what's that you're sleeping? So, oh, just, like, oh, man, I got to move. Let me ask you something about that. Did you feel like, hey, man, I'm living the 
punk rock life here. I'm sleeping <laughs> on the streets in Hardly. London. Like, yeah. Or was it like, I gotta get the fuck off the street. Well, I, you know, yeah. was, it, was it a low point or was it a high point? Oh, definitely I, I a low point. Definitely oh, low yeah. Point. About as low as it gets, yeah. But um, it is real punk rock. I mean, you were on the streets in London in some uh, senses, right? Sure, sure. Yeah, like, I was, you know, yeah. I, but it, it was, you know, it was, it was, no, it was not good. But anyways, this Michael Brayman guy, and that might have been one of the reasons why I was on the streets, too. And, and he left me. I was on the street in New York, too, for a while. But um, he, um, he, he, somehow we were communicating. I think I would call him collect from call, call booths. You could do that then. Um, and he had a lot of money, so you just take the call, you know. Oh, yeah. And he was hyping me all this. and said, oh, man, you know, my, my sister's from, she's going out with a VP at Sony, or right then it was CBS. Uh, and she, he loves the records. He thinks your voice is great. I showed him some pictures. They wanted me, that, just that, and the other thing. And I already knew the brain was a fucking lying lunatic. But it's not like I was doing that well in London. Uh, and I said, you know, but I did, you know, I did have this sort of band that I was putting together. I'd written the songs, you know, um, and, uh, uh, so, uh, I said, uh, you know, said, come back to, you know, come to New York, come to New York, come to New York. And it's like, I knew, uh, these, uh, you know, uh, I may be on the street here, but I'm in the real game here. I'm with, you know, the people I'm playing with are taught musicians they know how it works they're pros like you know this is a rough patch but things could really happen here i go back to new york and then montreal and say i had you know i i had to get out of there you know so not new york so much montreal anyways so eventually he says so crossroads he, he, it sounds like a cross he buys me a plane ticket oh, back okay. from back to london from back from london and he tells me that uh, CBS Records has paid for that plane to that plane ticket. Because I said, I'll come back and do some, you know, I'll go do, you know, the, the fucking uh, schmoozing in New York and all this shit. But, you know, but I, I, but, I mean, it took me a long time to get some money together to buy a plane ticket here. I'm here now. Things happen. So, you know, when your thing turns out to be bullshit... I need. I want to fly uh, fly back, to London. Back no problem. So okay. sure enough, later, you know, I don't know. I guess they sent me the ticket, or they bought the, or paid for. I don't know. Anyway, I had, next thing you I know, I was on a plane to back, New York. Uh, yes, yeah, so to Montreal, then to New York. Then, okay. Um, right. So back to North America. Back to North America. Right. You know, and I was, you know, I'd give it two months. It was summer, and I, you know, in the fall, I'd be back in London if, if when, when I knew his thing, you know. But again, well, why were you so sure he was full of shit? You knew him, or he was a he was he was a. I mean, like I say, I, I mean, I could write a book about him. He was he's a lie. He was a liar for one. Um, as it turns out, the money that uh, that CBS had spent on on bringing me back was money that he stole from his mother. Wow. He just said it was there. You know, he's, he used to take checks, his mother's checkbook, and go to her bank and write himself checks for like $2,000 in cash. Yeah. So that's so, how he got the money to get you the plane ticket. Yeah, that's it. But he wouldn't tell me that because he knew, that, you know. But I mean, I kind of, you know, I you know, I was able to tell everybody in London, you know, the few people that I would see on the fucking... In the, so in the, in, the, in the gutter, uh, you know. Oh well, you know. Uh, CBS is flying. I'm supposed, flying to, go to, I'm supposed to go to New York next <laughs> week. You know, I'd be flying. CBS wants to do something. Uh, I'm gonna go check it out. So I told my manager, you know. So, anyways, so 
That was a whole story. That was okay. the beginning. So that's how you got to New York. Was originally, via sense, yes, originally. Right? I mean, the two dudes that played New York, right. we played Massachusetts, Kansas City, uh, a couple of times, I think. But, anyway, but the two dudes that played New York and did okay there, actually. Mm. Um, uh, but um, yeah, a pretty big name. Max's Kansas City was a big place. Yeah, but well, it wasn't a big. It was yeah, but you know. Good. Well, but it was a, it, it's like with Andy Warhol and Jim Carroll, yeah. all these kind of you know, it's it, a, it a hit place good. to hang out for all the New York kind of cool people. Yeah, but, like Seabees too. It sounds good, but it's not a prestigious. No, thing. it's whatever. It's a you know whatever. It was a place we could play, and we did well there. They had our single in the jukebox. So, so you end up in New York uh, oh, yeah. via so Montreal. Brayman, yeah, so, yeah right. so a whole bunch of things right. of that. A whole bunch of things that Brayman's thing. Oh, it's another story. Too. So we put together this band. We made some tapes. We recorded at the studio more nights on Brayman's mother's money, which he told me, you know, Epic had paid for C- CBS. CBS mom's for. checkbook. I, I, whatever. Sure it was, <laughs> yeah. What he said. Yeah, okay. And anyway. uh, so we do that. We make some demos. I, I round up Pierre from a guitar, a guitar place of the two two twos, who is doing absolutely nothing and sort of regretting that the two 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 split up. So he comes on board. Anyway, so sounds he, like the Blues Brothers were getting the band back together. Kind of, you know, kind of but with, it, with this fucking with, you know driving yeah. force, this maniac. Yeah. Right? Um, kind of long story short. Well, yeah. So so we so we put together the band. I mean that that's a whole other story. I won't go into it, but okay. it's a good funny story. But uh, we go do a, we go do a gig uh, at Tracks on Seventy Second Street because now they've heard these tapes, they like them. I've been down to New York with them, and I have met a lot of these people. So, and I know they really do like the tapes. So they want to see the band because we don't have a band. So, you know, a couple months later, we're back in New York with a band. We're playing tracks, and Brayman, uh, his cousin, booked the musical talent on Saturday Night Live. So we would go there, and we'd hang out on the Saturday Night Live set, and uh, you know, and wow. the other musicians. And that's when we saw Sam Kinison. And- uh, I'm one of those trips, yeah, 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 but yeah, no, okay. Sam Kinison. That 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 was another trip. Yeah. But at Saturday Night Live. It was um, Eddie Murphy's era, um, and uh, it was a pretty shitty era actually. Outside of uh, Eddie Murray, uh, Eddie Murphy. But anyways, um, so so he did this gig, and he does a big showcase gig, and all these record labels do show up. Nice. Um, but nice. Brayman at this point, he was living in New York, and we were rehearsing it up here in Montreal. So we got there. We were didn't our, we had to rent gear. Brayman said, "Oh no, you got to be sound modern. So you need a syndrome." Syndrome was electronic drums, right? Except the drummer didn't know anything about it. So, so we've got all this stuff, gear up, you know, we're playing. And the place, and the whole the entire cast of Saturday Night Live is there. Except wow. for Eddie Murphy. He had better things to do. But they're, you know, by the way, whoever <laughs> yeah. shit acts or Joe Piscopo, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, whatever. You know, whoever was in doing that in 83, I guess, uh, was there. 84, yeah, whatever it was. Uh, sometime in there. So whoever was on that cast. So they all show up, you know, as, as a friend of Lori Zachs, who was Raven's cousin, who booked all the talent. And, of course, all the record camp labels are coming to see us because Lori, who books Saturday Night Live, is saying, my bro- my cousin's band, you're going to come see. Okay. So it's a big opportunity. you got the Saturday Night Live. It could be. Yeah, you know, it could be. Yeah, all these labels like, are there. And, you know, yeah. and, the, and the recordings <laughs> that we did were strong. They were, you know, not my... They, you know, not, nothing I'm particularly proud of, but you know, but they were. I, I could see where somebody want, might want to buy that. So, um, uh, 
So we get there, and the gig is a fucking disaster. Story of my life. You know, so we've rented all this gear. Don't really know how to use it. And he's got electronic drums. And, you know, you don't have much time to sound check, stuff like this. So, you know, on these bills in New York, it's like five bands. And you go on. So we go in there. And, of course, the drums, he doesn't know. So the, the drum, the kick drum, boom, yeah. boom, boom, is bing, 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 boom, 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 bing. It was like it was fucking sounds terrible. It was yeah. a, it was terrible. The drums are Raymond's the base of every rock and roll band. The drums are so critical. Well, we had like right? a, you know it was so. like uh, that disco sound. Bing, bing, bing. <laughs> and then we start next song, try and get it right. It was like fucking. And you're doing this live, like this is yeah, like yeah, you know, yeah. playing out yeah, in real yeah, time, yeah, right? Yeah. Okay. So, so the gig is, is musically a disaster. Is what you're describing, right? It's yes, it was a disaster. And then the next week on Saturday Night Live, there was a skit about this really shitty band that does a show. <laughs> it was it was it was us. Yeah, I know. I know. No, but that's just like to be famous for being the yeah, that, they, have they, a skit on Saturday Night Live about how the worst band shitty band. band. <laughs> it's just I sorry for laughing. So, well, no, no. It's, I mean, it's, it's funny. Great. Of course, so I tell the story. Okay. You know, I mean, that's just the icing on the cake. You know. Okay, Here's, so you play this gig, and so it's a, it's a total so disaster so that, for all these reasons. That you had no control that's, over. So right? that's yeah. the end of it. Okay. You know, it's just a record. It's just a thing to get a record deal, and we don't. And you know, when Brayman, uh, he stayed in New York. He was doing something on Broadway or whatever, and and the rest of us sort of went back with their tails, back home with their tails between their legs. But I kept in touch with Brayman, and a few months later, he calls me up and he says, "So Woody Allen is looking for a band in his new movie." Uh, they're shooting at the CBGBs, and I gave him your two 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 stuff. Uh, and they got back to me, and they want they want us that was us to do the gig. Nice. So it's like, okay, well that's good. When when was it? Uh, Wednesday, and this is like Monday night. <laughs> and you know we're not very resourceful, right? I mean we don't have like money. We don't, you know. So just getting down to New York right. and rounding up all these fucking band, you know, such as it was at that point. So uh, so what we do manage to get down. We do manage to get down there. We actually hired a taxi to drive oh us there because we missed wow. the plane, but that's a whole other show. Wow. Uh, but we get down there, and, you know, and, and you know, part of the deal, Brayman, he he booked the gig, So, but because he booked the gig, he wants to be in the, in the movie. Like, he wants to play it. I say, yeah, but you're not in the band. What are you going to do? <laughs> well, you know, I'll play drums. Great, but you don't know how to play drums. <laughs> well, I can fake it. I said, oh, you know, it's live to it's live to fucking tape, you know. So I mean, I already knew we were doing it live, but so it's like you yeah, don't want a guy who doesn't know how to play drums playing drums. drums. Yeah, no, it's the worst. It would make yeah. it would ruin the band. Yeah. So he goes, well, Not you good. know, I, I was a drummer, so I know. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah you know. Yeah. So he turns around. And I was like, well, okay. So he's going to program a a, a Lindrum. He owned a Lindrum or he rented one, and he's going to program it. I know the song. I'll program it, and you know, and I'll just sort of hit some symbols and that kind of so that's what we did. Okay. But, you know, I mean, whenever I see that film, you, you know, it's cringe. not very often. Yeah. Well, because I just like this shitty old drums with no power, no anything, and me kind of humming over it, but whatever. You're only visible for a couple of seconds. You're kind of dead.
dancing. It's you look really cool. You're really thin, and you're wearing this black shirt. Like you're uh, really punk rock. It's it was, really it was cool uh, a minute and nine seconds. Were you? But you? Were, no, no, no. But you were. And I didn't get the close up. Oh, 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 hold on a second. <laughs> the but, close up kind of cut to the guitar. But player. a minute. I think the, 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 the band is playing for a minute and nine seconds. But there's a shot of you for about a second. Like it's maybe a couple of like the band. Uh, the band. Yes. Yes. Right. And then, and then it cuts back to Woody, and he's he's kvetching. Yeah. There's a few shots. There's a there's a, right. a fair there's an establishing shot of the band, and then they cut right, to a, right. a close up of the guitar player. Then they pull back and they go over to Woody Allen and in the in the bar so, yeah, in yeah. CBG. There's a brief one of you. You're kind of stepping back and forth, doing a kind of frontman thing. It looks really, it looks really cool. Like it looks, you know, yeah. Well, yeah. It's, it's what it was. Anyways, you know, so so that was pretty good because after that, you know, I've been trying to get people to manage us, and you know. Like a bad brains manager was somebody that I knew, and and you know I was trying to get him to do us, and he was sort of like thinking about it, but kind of you know. And then of course after we do that movie, well there's going like, to be money. Right, now there's going to be right, money right? because you're. It's kind of like just the song. Made, right. Just the song's going to make money, right? Because right? because it's in a Woody Allen yeah, movie. That's it, you know. Okay. Uh, so now, so this now is a, he wants to this sign is a us. Bump up in your career, right? definitely a bump up. Yeah. yeah. And now yeah. that manager, you know, he's got his contract out. You know, which I knew better than to sign. But um, you know, other people want to manage us. Just people, oh, oh, you know. And then we hooked up with Stephen Ship uh, here in Montreal, who've been booking us in that place in Halifax, the Odeon. Right. Right. Uh, and uh, he was the one who got us that gig. And so you know, he was very young, inexperienced. Um, I knew more about the music business than he did at that point, but you know he was a very enterprising and energetic guy, and he, you know, and so he he worked our career and he did an excellent job. People give him people turn around that that know me and know from back then, and they often um uh they they can't believe that I'd be friends with that guy after what had happened with my career. Um, and it's blame because, him. Yeah, but they don't they don't understand. Not, it's not like people were lining up to fuck a manager band. It wasn't an easy thing to sell. You know, we weren't like everything else. You know, not like we were reinventing the wheel, but we weren't. We weren't an easily marketed band. We weren't yeah. goth. We weren't hardcore. We weren't pop. We weren't heavy metal. We were our fucking thing, whatever you want to call it. So it was a difficult thing to sell. Um, so and so yeah, I mean, he got us on MTV. You know, we did a nice. video. Make maybe we did a video because he got money from the Quebec government. And, we managed to put the scrape together this video, which miraculously looked okay when all was said and done. And uh, then he got a playlist on MP MTV, like nice. MTV, not much music. I mean, that was we let's take that as a given. Like, no, we probably shouldn't have, but we yeah, expected that with all the CanCon stuff. Yeah, you'd be on. Yeah, radio in Canada. And, yeah. yeah, and it was a good looking <clears throat> video, and we were good looking. But guys. MTV is like you're you're playing the big leagues. That's kind of you know, it's it. much it was, music. Who cares about your know, music? Business yeah, and it wasn't just played. It wasn't like I mean, it was you know they played it on 120 minutes and stuff, but it was playlisted, so it was playing you know three four times a day nice. so nice. yeah and like okay. years later i mean still people i contacted me uh the guy remember from, that uh, green day oh. uh, billy joe uh billy right. joe whatever uh whatever the main guy that, he, he contacted he, you they contacted me they were in uh they billy were, corrigan he, no no that's not green day that's the billy that's those, joe yeah that's billy, one of the billy joe armstrong yeah could be. anyway yeah. Right, right his guitar player uh uh, the guy playing guitar with him had had heard first been introduced to the thirty nine says from that particular video and then became a big fan. Right? Wow. So when they were in town, they called me up, you know, and they're all like, "Oh, you know, that's a, and that." He tells me, you know, "Oh, I love your music. I've never all this ever, you know." And then the Green Day guy 
they're saying the same thing. Yeah, yeah, we're listening to your stuff on the bus. It's great, blah, 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 blah. And it all came, you know, for what it was worth, which was basically nothing. You know, I said to him, well, then cover one of those songs. So I can fucking retire, bitch. <laughs> yeah, talk is cheap, motherfucker. <laughs> but you know, I mean, but you know, but I mean, at the same time, of course, I was flattered. You know, this time, nice. well, you know, yeah, okay, and, and 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 this guy, but that had come from that. So, right, and I right, still right. like people. You know, people reach out to me all the time. Still, which is you know, a very nice thing. Uh, you know, because they those records mean something to them. Yeah. So I mean, they, you know, that's, that, that's, that's where that must feel really good, even though yeah, I'm, absolutely, yeah. It, it's good, man. It's good because it's like, well, isn't that nice? That's kind of what you do, you know. I mean, you want it because you want to communicate and reach other. Well, people. you mentioned you wanted to be loved. I mean, the recognition well, was something. It, that's yeah. kind of recognition, right? It's like it's like the songs are like sort of like on a certain wavelength, and other people that are in that wavelength they hear it, and then you've got something in common. Right, and it's it's right. I, I don't I, I can't quite so you're connecting that. with people that it's you want to cosmic. connect with right no because if you were doing that shitty pop music you'd be connecting with people who you wouldn't necessarily want I to connect, connect with them right. because yeah. it, it would be insincere right. and I right. would be shitty at it right you know I, right. I wouldn't be good uh, it's like you know I've worked as an actor um, as an actor I can do me great <laughs> if I do say something character actor you know, well, character actor yeah that's it I'm me you play you ask yeah. me to do <laughs> anybody else put do voices and stuff I'd say what here, this is, I can do me. Yeah. But I can, yeah. yeah. So I, I would have been the same thing as a pop singer. Too. Right. I would have been. So, so that, that, that's, a, I wouldn't want that's a really good thing. You, you were able to remain true to yourself. That sounds sort of a cliche. For better or worse. Thing. And, better and, or worse. You, and you still got recognition for people. Green Day, you know, years later, hey, yeah, oh, yeah the 39 yeah, yeah, stuff yeah. is great. You stuff know? like that. I mean, yeah, yeah. there's like, you know, I, I don't know. I can't think about it. Like, lots of people much more successful than me have told me that they, uh, you know, they were big fans. I, I can't cool. off the top of my head, you know, but I mean... Well, Green Day are... Yeah, and lots of respect. Well, you know... Yeah, I like, mean, Green Day, they're they're famous. I mean, they're like multi-selling Yeah, there's, there's, bands, an, there's right? one example. Yeah, uh, right. I mean, too, like, putting uh, aside whether they're good or bad, just they're very famous. I mean, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, I like the music, by the way. I like Green Day. You know, it's, yeah, I... I, I I'm, I'm not a huge fan, but I mean, uh, you know, they're... If I hear them on the radio, I'd be like, oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah I can take it or leave it. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, well, you sort of do worse than them, for sure. So, um, but, uh, so yeah. one thing I wanted to get to, seeing as we're kind of getting, we're getting towards maybe a closing, is you, you've been touching on this all through our discussion. It's kind of like sort of just getting up to the window of success, kind of looking through it, you know, kind of. Being successful and having always these a bridesmaid, never a bride. Yeah, yeah, right. I mean, and and because you've you've done really well in one hand, and I think I think I mean you you and I both know Sonny. I think he, he sure, had a, somewhat of, of a similar experience with boot sauce, Sonny Greenwich. Yeah, Sonny. except Sonny, uh, right. you know, maybe not. I don't want to speak for Sonny, but uh, he, I, that's my impression is that he, he worked really hard. He had this band, they toured around and they did well. They had uh, gold records in Canada. Well, and that's stuff. true. And, that's... and they, they tried, they opened for De La Soul and they were doing all this stuff and they just never quite, they're trying to break into the American market, weren't quite able to do it. But Well, with all due respect. And, and they were great too. Just yeah. Well, you know, Pillbox, we toured Canada with them. And right. we even played with them at the Limelight in New York once. Um, and that was them doing, you know, basically kind of doing us a favor, but uh, it wasn't re it wasn't really the similar same audiences, but whatever but, it was. But, just, know, but we were able to we toured Canada with them, so with the whole that's, song. It's really cool. So that was and that was you know that I mean I wouldn't say it's an act of charity on their behalf, but 
you know, uh, well, Sonny's a super did. guy, and he'll he'll help out people who yeah yeah close well, to if he yeah can, we had the know. same man yeah. too that's, that's yeah Steve Schiff. but just this this philosophical question of because it sounds like you're conflicted in the sense that you want the adoration and you want the success, but you don't want to go and say, all right, give me the Loverboy song and I'll dress yeah, up and do sure. the electronic drums sure. or whatever. Yeah, so, I mean, is that is that a tension? Do you regret that? Or I don't know. Um, really do I regret it? I, I wouldn't say that I regret that. I, uh, or are you proud that you were like, no, I stuck true to myself to look at it another way? I could be. So, I know. guess it would depend on uh, my mood that day. <laughs> Uh, I could be proud. I say, yeah, you know, and I, I never sold out, I guess you say. Uh, at the same time, you know, um, I know other people that, that I, you know, that, that sold out. <laughs> yeah. And they've done okay. Yeah. And, you know, and they, they, you know, and they, they're still what, what playing. Does mean, what does it mean to you know? sell out exactly? Like you, you know, like. Well, I mean, to chase the hit, really. So, so to, to chase change the hit or do your artistic. To, to say, I, I'm going to change my artistic vision to fit with what the public is going to want is uh, yeah. selling it, yeah, right? That's, it. that's what yeah. I would. And would you would say, it. no, I, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And if the public likes me, great. I'm going to, you know, be happy. Absolutely. And, Absolutely. Right. Much more. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a pure thing. And then you don't want to, you know, I mean, it's only fucking pop, rock music, but, you know, uh, it's like what we were saying right of the way. It's like that thing that when I heard the Beatles when I was four years old on the <laughs> cartoon, it's like, you know, that you don't betray that. Yeah. I mean, I don't. I mean, and and it's a love of rock and roll, basically. Not even music. It's a rock and roll culture. And what some of us believe rock and roll at least stood for at one point. What? One what point. Yeah. What is that? What is that essence? Because you're well, What is that essence? <laughs> it's yeah. me. It's me. I am yeah. rock and roll. Yeah. Rock and roll is I. Yeah. I don't fucking know. It's it's it's. But um, is it rebellion? Is it yeah, is it something it's authenticity? Yeah. It's about a rebellion. It's about calling up bullshit. It's like you know maybe you have a bit of a brain, you know, and like, you know, not just buying into whatever it's caring about music, being passionate. It's, uh, you know, yeah. uh, I mean, you know, I mean, it's different things to different people. I mean, you know, I think of Joey Ramone, you know, I mean, I knew Joey, I mean, knew more best yeah. buds, but you know. we knew each other and spent quite a bit of time together over the years. And, and he was an authentic person. Yeah, what that's he, it. He right? had the, the same yeah. love of rock and roll. And the Ramones kind of, all of them, Johnny, they, they you know, Didi, they, uh, they had, the, the, it was the same thing. Like they, you know, there was like, they, they just knew what stunk and, and what didn't. And they, you know, and they carried the torch. Huh? Yeah. You know, but they had even, you know, but they weren't particularly successful at the time either. But they were compared to me. You know, right. they're well, huge. Yeah. Right? Well, it's also the Ramones. I think they're a little bit like the New York Dolls in the sense that they they got more and more famous later on as people realized how influential they were. Yeah, you know, and I think that's what happened. Like, I mean, you probably were listening to them like in the seventies, going, "These guys are fucking great." Well, and then I, the you first know. time I saw, <laughs> and, and then you're playing the two twenty two. I saw you know, it's like, earlier, yeah, yeah. earlier. Yeah. They, yeah. I, they, yeah. I think right. it was in grade nine, seventy six. The first album came out. I remember seeing it in the records department of Eaton's, like Cavendish Mall, <laughs> and uh, and I'd already heard of them from Roxy and Magazine, uh, and they are uh, just looking at them made me laugh. I figured, well, this is kind of good right there, and then I saw the. Album, the song titles, you know, let's keep Bach. I don't want to go down to the basement, you know. Uh, today, your love, tomorrow, the world, all these things. Uh, yeah. Beat on the brat, you know. And yeah. I just sort of 
Well, I don't even have to fucking hear this to know this is fucking great. So I stole the record. And but you, yeah, I stole <laughs> it's like punk well, rock. I was taking a chance because yeah. you know it's like well, it may not be so good either, you know. And you've heard not all great things about them, but uh, you so know, you the got it home, I, you listened to it, and you were like, "This is the best." This is I loved it. Yeah. yeah, I loved it. it sort of like, they had know, good lyrics. They had funny lyrics. They hear queens eating eating refried beans, you know, stuff like that, right? Well, you know? And the best part about them is that daddy likes men, you know, or whatever. So the best part about that, especially if you kind of ever spend any time around them, is that that was their line. Right, right. You know, they really were from Queens, are, and they really were, yeah. And this yeah. was their real life experience yeah. that they were expressing in this sort of monosyllabic, you know. Um, yeah. And they were. Uh, they, they had they had a very narrow range. They played in, in one key, but they were some, there's something about their. They're just they're you can't miss songwriters. They're, they're amazing. They're, they're genius. Yeah. Great genius, yeah. and the fact that they could like make the same like sounding record for the first like four or five records, even yeah. at least the first four. I mean, you know, they they stuck to their sound, and they were able to do make five or at least four great records, yeah. flawless yeah. records, like doing following the same formula thing. Like that's not easy to do. Very it's nice. like, you know, and they're, you know, it was such a limited, more than the dolls did. The dolls had, I think two records. Yeah. Right. Two records, yeah. And, and what, what is it about the New York dolls? And I, only the, yeah, the second I, one. I, I love their music. I, I, I like, and I, I, there's not a lot of music that has aged that well for me. You know, the dolls, you know, have, I put the dolls on, I still have them in my car. I'm like, Man, well, you know, why the, have why did why is it because the, so the dolls had roots? They knew their fucking music, like you know, they were they. Uh, I mean, the, you know, uh, the Shangri La's influence, like yeah. the the covers that they did, the Bo Diddley uh, version of Pills. That it's like, you know, nineteen seventy three when they made that first record. I, I don't think too many people were covering Bo Diddley. You know, at that point, you know, I mean, they 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 had roots. They they and, musically, and David I, I love them musically. I love Sylvain Sylvain. Yeah, he's so playing. Yeah, I, I just, yeah. I don't know. I, I just, they, 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 and, and, and they crossed. I mean, what you're saying is interesting because they crossed sort of the hard, you know, the hard blues driving rock, Bo Diddley, and then this this female group. They, on every one, they would do a cover of the Shangri-Las. That was one of the things that yeah, we always well, they used to do. Right. So, so, so there's this kind of almost like a crossover thing going on with the dolls in some senses. They're taking know, two yeah, very different yeah. styles and kind of blending. Yeah, and like, you know, and I mean, you know, nobody, certainly then, nobody sounded like Johnny Thunder. Yeah. Or Joe what was he like, by the way? You said you knew him, Johnny Thunder. Like. Um, what was he like? Was he as um, crazy as, as he seemed? Well, he was fucked up, right? So, junkie. you know, uh, well, Yes, definitely a junkie, but um, you know that in and of itself is not necessarily uh, the. That's true. Uh, That's true. Um, yeah. But he, um, you know, like I say, it's not like you know, it's not like a, 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 an inside look at Johnny Thunders from me. But um, he was, you know, I we we opened for him a couple of times, and you know, he was in New York City, like in the East Village. So so was I, right? So. You know, you'd run into each other and you recognize each other. And of course, to me, it's Johnny Thunders. You know, when I when I bought my first guitar, I remember I went to Oasis Music, it was a used record, uh, used musical instrument store on Monkland, and uh, I said, I want a guitar that sounds like Johnny Thunders. I, mean, I didn't even like, know what the fucking thing. I just I want something that's going to sound, sound like, like Johnny Thunders. Like I said, Johnny <laughs> Thunders, what's that? <laughs> I said, Well, yeah. Oh, it's noisy. It sounds distorted. And oh, okay, okay. You, I'll get you this and use this amp, and yeah. you'll have your Johnny Thunder, which I didn't, but it was pretty yeah. close actually. Yeah. Um, uh, so, um, for you, hung so out every, with you him. know, when I, when, I, when I would run into him, 
um, he would be very, very, very pleasant. Always say hello to me. Like, you know, like, you know, I wouldn't go, hey, Johnny Thunders, how are you? You know, <laughs> like, you know, he was always very nice to me. Like, weird, like, I was surprised that he was so nice to me. Um, and I figured at the time that he probably saw me as a potential dope patsy, like somebody who'll get dope and get him right. high, you know, and like pay for it, which yeah, of yeah. course is not going to be my fucking deal, like crazy. You know, yeah. uh, blind, you're dope, motherfucker. Um, but I, I assume so that because I know junky people, eyeglasses, like maybe I can, I, I don't, and I don't know that that's true, yeah, but you know, I knew, I knew a couple other people that had been friends with, uh, were friends with him and Jerry Nolan, uh, individually and, and separately, uh, and, and together. And, uh, that was kind of with my impression of their relationship that, that, you know, they, they, one guy was even playing a band with them mm -hmm. with, uh, with Jerry Nolan. And I, I couldn't help but think that Jerry, Jerry was just, uh, Tay was hanging out with them for, because the guy was from a wealthy family right. and could afford the dope. I don't know if that's true, but it's, uh, so, but you know, you know, Thunder's, you know, he's a kind of a pathetic character, really, you know, Very like sad. I remember doing, I played a gig with him at the Cat Club. Uh, oh, that's another story too. We supported him at the Cat Club. Really? Yeah, yeah, it was another disastrous gig for us. The uh, but ev and everybody was there. Ian Asbury, bless his fucking so, soul, was there. So this is a recurring this front. is a recurring theme when 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 you get all these op like a big yes. opportunity, something goes wrong. It's almost yes. like yeah, the gods were yes, kind of aligned. God's fucking like, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> it was a second story uh, like that. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. It's, you know, it's like the frog in the box on uh, on Bugs Money. You know? Right, right, right. Hello, my baby. Hello, yeah, my yeah. ribbit. <laughs> what a count, ribbit. Uh, so yeah. Uh, yeah, it's like you know, I remember we did this gig on that at that gig, at the Cat Club, and uh, you know, and backstage, he was like kept sort of stumbling, literally stumbling, falling, face. On his fucking stomach, boom! Yeah, yeah. Like you, hey, gotta join, join. Yeah, sort of like, uh, there's, there's and a, all of us were like, everybody who was back there was like, oh, fucking Johnny Thunder. There's, there's a, there's a concert of him, the Johnny Thunder, on YouTube where he's playing in the Johnny Thunder group, and he's sort of sprawled on the stage at one point, going too much junky business, and sort of. Putting his hand on his arm, yeah. Like, well, it was really, sort of sad, but it's it, it's part of the show is really good when he's kind of up playing, and then he just gets sprawled out all of a sudden. Well, he, I, mean, I don't know. He was know, such a he was such a drug addict, right? That's really well, what it was. yeah. But you know what was kind of lame is that that became his whole shtick after a while. So like, let's right. see if Johnny fucking oh, falls down, right, I, you know, right? And it wasn't really entertaining. Yeah, it, you know, I mean, that's really sad. That's really. I know. It's also enabling. Like if you think about what Norm Macdonald said about about Artie Lang, the comedian, he said if everyone is like laughing at him, he's got the shtick of being this drug addict. He's gonna, you know, he's gonna keep on I, doing I, it. I don't but. think that helps, Johnny. Yeah. But you know, I mean, it's also like you know, you, uh, you know, you're you're on dope for a long time. I mean, he had been strung out for you know, was 15, 16, 17 years, and uh, he, uh, you know, and that's what he was known for. Yeah, and he, yeah. you know, he was able to eke out a modest living doing that and, and keep himself in dope until he died I believe of an yeah. overdose yeah well I'm sure there were plenty of times where he didn't have dope you know I was sorry for that but yeah. you know but I mean if you're if you're uh, on dope long enough you you, you uh, make sure that you don't run out yeah. or at least you have some methadone or something you know, yeah. to cover your ass so okay. um yeah. So, 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 so you sound you sound sort of 
like you can see both sides of this sort of being pressed up against the glass. I mean, you, you, you don't regret it because as you said, we've come full circle when you were three years old with the Beatles, you were like, this is what I got to do. But on the other hand, you're kind of pressed up against the glass looking at, you know, these other bands that are doing better. And um, we naturally compare. Ourselves. Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. I mean, I mean, uh, you know, I, I've, spent a lot of time around very successful people, you know, uh, and uh, always as equals, you know, I'm never, I know when it's fucking mass kisser, you know. Uh, and, and, you can be proud of that, right? Yeah, I'm proud yeah. of that. Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, I think one of the reasons why, you know, I, I've been, managed to have real, you know, had real friendships with someone like, you know, Chris Stein or Debbie Harry or something like that is because I'm not, I'm not going to ask for like, Hey, can you, can you, uh, you can me, you call yeah. your manager and get me? Yeah. It's like, yeah. you know, I just couldn't, <laughs> Ian Astbury, another one. It's yeah. like, I'm not going to ask Ian for a fucking So they thing. can sense that, that this guy is not, you know, you coming know, up and hanging out with me because he wants to get something. You'd have right? to ask them. But I, don't, that, I don't know. Sounds but like I would, I, you know, case, yeah, right? because I, yeah, yeah, like I said, I mean, I, you know, I mean, I looked, I always looked at these people as uh, peers. I think it was the same thing, and you know, and everybody who's been around for a while knows it's like, well, how many records you sell? This has got nothing to do with how good you are, you know, or 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 the worthiness of of your records. It's like you know, and in fact, in many cases, the There's more records you sell, the shittier you are. There's an inverse relationship, but you know, yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, uh, yeah, I, you know, I, I was uh, at a certain point. Towards the late 80s, maybe 90 in there, towards the end of my 39 steps, you know, um, when we were hooked up with Joan Jett's people, um, they, uh, you know, everybody was pushing me to write to write a hit, like Joan, Joan, Joan would write songs with fucking uh, Desmond Child or whoever it was, and she'd, you know, do these commercial fucking records that would sell, but Joan could kind of get away with it because she's Joan and, you know, people loved her anyways. Uh but uh, I would never do that. And I was being pushed through that. And I did. And, like, you know, I, I, you know, I they used to send me down to uh, Philadelphia to write with these hacks, uh, who I really quite liked, actually, these, these guys. These say Philly hacks. Guys. Well, they were, like, professional songwriters. Right. So they wrote songs for, you know, Rod Stewart and, you know, whatever, right. you know right. all sorts of big artists. Big That's huge. what they did. They yeah. just wrote songs for, you know, for other artists. And so they, you know, I was hooked up with these guys for a while to write a bunch of hits for me, right? For my band, yeah. Um, and it didn't. Well, no, actually, in the end, but I, I couldn't. Stop. I had to. I had to be me. <laughs> so you know, like you know, so we'd have these catchy tunes, but I call them like syphilitic rainfall or right. black man in my mouth, you know, things like that. Just because it's just because you, 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 you want to be a punk rocker too, right? I mean, I, you are. Right? I don't. I, I, nothing Not was ever that, that studied. It's just, just just do it, and and yeah. you know, and if that's punk rock, I, I and I guess it is to a lot of people's estimation, then so be it, you know. That story reminds me of Lou Reed worked at one of those places in New York in the Where? 60s. One of those songwriting oh, yeah, yeah, places. Oh, sure, yeah. And he hated it. He was just like, this is the... And, you know, they wanted to write love songs. Yeah. And so he, he wrote uh, Waiting for My Man, Waiting for the Man or yeah. whatever, you know. Yeah. And they fired him. He was like, I hated that. So just your well, story. He had, yeah, listening. apparently he had those songs, Waiting for the Man and uh, Heroin, uh, like, while he was writing for Pickwick. Um yeah. But he—that's—he was introduced to John Cale through that. And if you listen to those early versions, 
Lou Reed, he's like, he's lame, man. He's trying to, like, do Dylan. We still got these great works and stuff. <laughs> yeah. But it wasn't until with John Cale and it came, came in and sort of gelled yeah, together. Yeah, to, yeah. yeah, the rest, yeah. So, um, but yes, yes, that's yeah. it. But, like, you know, I mean, yeah, he, he, Lou Reed doing that is like me working as a writer. Yeah. He's just like, I can bang this shit out and it pays me, it pays the rent. So, you know, I'll do that. Well, I, you know, pr pursue something a little more artistically rewarding, I guess. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm just, when I'm looking at it, I'm seeing a very positive trajectory through your life in many words. Like, I, like, I, from where I'm sitting, it sounds like a very successful career. Right. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like, it but sounds it's like. Not. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I mean, it, so it's. It, I guess everything is relative, right? Yes, this is true. And it's, everything it's, is relative. Yes, compared to many other people. Uh, yes, I suppose I've had. A, but, an but there's also career. you don't want to be Mick Jagger or something. Oh, I love Mick Jagger. Like, like, so it's it's like you you all you could do is be who you are. Well, that's just and, it, right? That's it. Love yeah, it. you know, and and you did that. You were successful at that. Well, and you still managed to go out and play I, music. And, uh, I mean, again, I guess it's just how you measure success. You know, I never sold many records. Yeah, sold a few of them. Yeah. You know, and people still buy them, and you yeah. know, and and people still dig me up, and you know, and I I know they're very sincere that they. I guess they sense a bit of authenticity in those things, yeah. not just me, the band too. You know, yeah. uh, it was not all me. Like you know, I, I was lucky. I, you know, these guys, my the musicians I played with were similarly inspired. You know, right. I may have, I may have like sort you of. You managed to find people who shared your authentic vision. Sounds like they didn't right? necessarily share my vision, uh, but they uh, they complimented it. Right. Yeah. Able very to, much. Yeah, yeah. Like you know, you know, like Pierre Major who played guitar in Two Two Twos and then later in Three Grand Steps for a long time. Well, he didn't do the second record, but uh, yeah, he's brilliant. Player. You know, he plays his solos and makes you want to cry. They're yeah. so moving. You know what I mean? That's great. So, yeah. So, I mean, I was lucky to, you know, and to have guys like that, that would play with me. Because, you know, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I had a different idea of what we should do. Yeah. But, I mean, people recognize that, too. Like, it's sort of like, well, you know, I can play with this band and be like every other fucking band out there in that genre. Or you know, we can try something different with Chris, and 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 that was that was basically the thing. It's like we all knew that you know, two two twos were just kids, you know. But with Thirty Nine Steps, um, particularly, and 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 later with Pilgrim's more professional. Story, I mean, it, not professional is the wrong word, but it was like it was going to either like, break big or not at all, right? And it right. was the latter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, I I just want to first of all, I want to thank you for. Um, for talking to me today because it's it's been a real pleasure and i think you my personal view is you, you well you know my favorite subject is talking to myself yourself, right i can talk about yeah. all <laughs> yeah yeah it's but better I, when someone else yeah. is there yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm walking the metro I was, <laughs> yeah and then you look like that lunatic or whatever yeah, yeah but i i just arrested. i i just think that you this is you know i think it's if you're proud of your work as a musician i think that's merited yes I well you know what the you thing know. you know what's something with that it's actually in uh it's you know when people contact me all, all these years later uh and you know and i know that some of my work has really resonated with them it's you know has influenced their own musical tastes and 
you know, and, and people tell you these things. It's like, well, that's exactly what you want. My fucking right. song has yeah. become an important part of your life in its little way, you know. Isn't that so, what you're trying to do? You're, tr you're trying to touch people. I mean, yes. you mentioned being on that's, stage. That's what you want to do. You're, you want yeah, to The way the Beatles touched me when I was a little right, kid. Right, exactly. Um, <laughs> you know, that that's what you want to do. That I mean, that to me, that's the whole point. And also, you know, you do that with girls and their legs are open. Yeah. So, you know, there was that, well, that element Gene's, too. Gene, uh, is it Gene Simmons of Kiss? Uh, yeah. was his theory about yeah. all rock and rollers. That's what, that's well, why they're doing it, right? That's a yeah. big part of it. Yeah. I was certainly, uh, sexually driven yeah. in my, in my youth and maybe even not so much, even, even as an old fucker. <laughs> um, but, uh, it, 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 when that happens, it's funny. It's kind of mixed feelings because on the one hand, you're like, you know, that's great. I succeeded, like, you know, in, in creating something that other people that really resonates with, you know, these people. And Who then, I wanted to communicate with. Well, I want to communicate kind of, with. Kind of people I, that I, you know. I would like right. to communicate with everybody. Right. The entire fucking globe. I would have liked to have communicated. That would be a better world. Uh, you know, uh, if my, <laughs> you know, if I'd influenced it more. But, um, uh, so, you know, on the one hand, that, that obviously that's, that's a wonderful thing, right? Especially as an old guy, looking back, I might be dead in a year, you know? So it's like, you know, it's like, this is, uh, you know, okay, I guess I accomplished something. But, um, at the same time, it's frustrating because you go, well, shit, like, you know, with a few different breaks, like, had more people been exposed to that music, there'd been more people that felt that way, and I would have had a much better career. But because of the way, you know, between luck, uh, it, it's bad a, mistakes, it's some a, of my own mistakes. It's you know, incredible it's like, the no. role of chance and a couple of mistakes and things. And the reverse yeah. can be true. You know, if you look at any band that's really successful, if they had, you know, just not met at that club or had that gig with that guy, or, you oh, know what I mean? Like, when it, you know, you, it's just, it's really random in sure. some senses, right? Had Michael yeah. Jackson put out a record the same week as they did, they would have gotten right. playlisted and then no one ever heard it. The single would have failed. They turned around, ah, I dropped them and you never heard about it. Yeah. But of course, so, those are my favorite records. In fact, almost. All of my favorite records, although I have a lot of favorite records, uh, are like that. They're yeah. records that most people don't know. Yeah. I mean, there's yeah. records like Leonard Cohen and stuff that I, I love as well, but that are well-known. And the Rolling Stones, the Beatles, you know, I mean, Sex Pistols, The Clash. But there's know. also all the, you know, the Dolls are not so well-known. The Stooges yeah. are lesser known that you're... Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the Blues Magoos. Yeah. You know. All right, man. Well, listen, thanks again. And... Uh, yeah. Well, it's been a pleasure, Jason. Uh, let's go viral now. Yeah. <laughs>